Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is... It's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our buy it now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time, arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit thereptilereport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder, then visit shipreptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile related. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. Tonight we are joined by Jay McClear of Best Boyds. Uh, Jay has some really cool, exciting, dare I say, the Everything. word. 
no, Dinker no, projects. No, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. A, a word that's only uttered in the royal python world. Um, yeah. But seriously, yeah. <laughs> seriously, we got uh, uh, a couple. Well, man, what was this? Maybe uh, six months back, uh, we mm -hmm. I got to uh, see Jay at uh, White Plains show, and um, mm -hmm. I saw some of the uh, projects that he was working on. He has some really cool stuff. Not to mention that he is working with Hypo Coastals, yes, which uh, is a rarity here in the states. So extremely uh, rare. Yeah. One, uh, very very cool projects but tons of stuff that uh that uh that we'll be uh talking about tonight including this one dare i say morph um it's posted over on morelia python radio's facebook page uh, mm -hmm. i'm sure you can see it on his uh facebook page as well best boyds um it's a coastal um it kind of reminds me of the silver pepper inland version of uh, in yeah. a coastal form, um, but it has like orange highlights inside. He said that mm -hmm. he's bred that a couple times, uh, and he's been able to recreate that. So, is that a new morph? Is it not? Uh, I don't know. But um, he still has some proving out to do. I got I talked to him uh, a little while ago, uh, late earlier yeah. in the week, and uh, he was saying about uh, one of the. I can't remember if he said it was the female or the male, but didn't go this year. And he was trying to breed it to a normal unrelated coastal to see what happened. Um, right. But, if it crops up in a normal unrelated breeding, um, I think you're off to the races at that point, but, or at least you kind of narrow the field down to what it could be or how it yeah, could be passed genetically. Yeah. It's hard to call something a morph until it's completely proved, uh, proven out. Um, yeah, proven in all the different ways. And I, and I like that Jay is taking the time to do that before he, you know, takes to the forums with the, Oh my God, look at this new thing. I mean, you know, it's uh, been a few times where I've seen that where some people give a name to something that isn't true. I think there was somebody recently who had a uh, spotted albino Darwin and they're like, it's my leopard morph and it's like what about this is a new morph oh nothing then, then don't call it that <laughs> so yeah i think uh, that was uh, cool that... some kind of jag or something they were calling a leopard jag yeah. or something yeah yeah <laughs> oh man Easy now <laughs> you can't just yeah. add words and names all willy-nilly so yeah. um, i'm glad that jay is like taking the time and he, he talks about them and he uh and he, he's checking it out before he goes out there and calls them something brand new so, yeah, so uh, he's going to have the story behind it. Um, I'm glad mm -hmm. that he's coming on. Um, he's one of those guys that we've been trying to track down for, geez, uh, probably since the very beginning. He's a, you know, he's a fellow East Coaster and um, he's kind of, you know, kind of one of those guys that kind of just waits in the sidelines, but has some amazing stuff. And uh, it's awesome that we're going to get to talk to him tonight. So uh, yeah. look forward to you should be calling in about uh, 10 minutes or so. Um, cool. Before we do that, though, uh, we have uh, uh, that is uh, joining the ranks of the Northeast and the Northwest. I guess this one would be called the Southwest, but. Uh, yes, another <laughs> one. That makes our good, three. Yeah. <laughs> Our good buddy uh, Terrell uh, Ziegler is uh, going to come on and uh, give us uh, 
give us the lowdown on this other carpet fest out there on the West Coast. Hey, Terrell, welcome to Morelia Python Radio. Uh, what's going on? Not too much. Cool. California life. Nice. Sunny <laughs> so, oh, we so hate you. you just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a um, So we, we had like three good days of warm weather and now back to like, you know, Eric and I are building small fires to keep ourselves warm for, you know, the cold. Yeah. yeah we were just, I am. 87 here over the weekend. Wow. Mm. See, oh, yeah. we couldn't live out there because we'd have to, we'd have to refocus how we breed breed snakes you mean like yeah i know you mean we'd yeah have we to, totally have, have to change uh, yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> we chose poorly <laughs> but, yeah. but a uh, southwest carpet fest what made you want to do that you crazy uh, person well you know you guys have all this fun over there and we're saying <laughs> we should go and mm-hmm. we just uh april my business partner and i were like well why can't we do it here for the people that are closer to here and um so we just kind of talked about it and wanted to make it happen so that's where we're at right now and we have pretty much everything finalized to get it going so they're probably further along in their planning than we are. So, I mean, <laughs> what does that tell you? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Crap. Okay. <laughs> so, That's... what's the, uh, give us the lowdown. What's the date? The, yeah. All the details. We are tentatively looking at June 19th, which is a Friday. Oh, cool. um, we figured we'd do it on Friday. Uh, then people that were flying in could hang out over the weekend as well. Instead of doing it on Saturday, then I believe on Sunday. Um, the event is going to be hosted at Prehistoric Pets. Very so, cool. Um, I talked to Jay fairly regularly, but um, I asked him if he was interested in uh, having us come by. Uh, we were renting out the they have like an area where they do parties and stuff. So we'll have everybody come hang out, talk carpets for a while. And then he was uh, kind enough to say that he'd give anybody that wanted one a tour of all of his big glorious snakes. Cool. Very I'm cool. sure that's uh, probably, uh, probably a spot to see. I would imagine that that's quite the place. It yeah. is amazing to see in person. I've been there a few times, and each time it just keeps getting better and better. Awesome. Cool. So it makes carpet. Be, so carpet. Yeah, it makes it makes good. it makes carpet pythons look like children's pythons when you go there. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, they do have my eight foot coastal. You know. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, quite the difference from holding a uh, seven foot coastal to an 18 foot retic that's 250 pounds <laughs> jesus <laughs> yeah <Yes>. no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it should be a fun time uh and we also we we like to give back to the community and we as a business have since 
last year, last May, March. So, you know, as we're learning things and buying the things that we want to work with and stuff like that, we like to help out and whenever we can, donate and all that good stuff. Just to, you know, keep this crazy thing we got going, going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. So if somebody was interested in either helping out or uh, asking what food they got to bring or uh, I assume you guys are going to have an auction, correct? Yes. I'm, okay. Uh, if, I'm working on the uh, the form for it now for who wants to bring what and all that stuff. Okay. It'll be on our, on our site at designerexotics.net. I'll post it on Facebook as well. Um, we're on Instagram. I'll put it pretty much anywhere and everywhere just to get the word out. And, uh, up. Cool, cool. So, I mean, obviously they would try to just get in contact with you with, with all this stuff about trying to get things planned together and getting rolling in the right direction, right? Yeah, they, um, anybody can contact me on Facebook, uh, Terrell Ziegler. Uh, you can go on our Facebook page, Designer Exotics, just shoot us a message or um, okay. our email, designerexotics at gmail.com. And, uh, um, you said it's going to be on a Friday. So if I ship Eric to you guys on a Thursday, will you guys be home to receive him? I... <laughs> you jerk. Shut up. <laughs> this doesn't concern you, Hobbit. Um, <laughs> I have to make sure someone's there to sign for him. So, yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Since I'm going to the West Coast, I'm, I'm assuming I don't need a heat pack, which is exactly. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, well, no, I gotta, I gotta put in the lower ones because this way you can stay warm until you get out there. Come on, no right. yeah. So good, yeah. good point. Awesome. Well, that's cool to hear, man. I'm glad to see you. Uh, you know, taking the initiative, and uh, yeah, so, I think I think that will be awesome. I mean, now we just got to talk about what the hell is happening in the middle of the country because now we've got the East Coast. Now we've got two out West. Where the hell are you guys in the middle? Come on. Do something. Well, what about the uh, the Southeast too, man? Waiting for the – I mean, Florida yeah. is pretty much the reptile capital of the world. <laughs> well, I should say yeah. the U.S., not of the world. Yeah. Uh, Easy now. But, yeah. So – yeah, they'll 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 get it together. They'll get their acts together, I assume. So, cool, cool. Perfect. Popping up all over the place. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, if you send me the uh, the info, I'll put it up on our pages as well, and uh, we'll get the word out there. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Sweet. Well, I appreciate it. And any uh, any uh, time you guys have updates or anything like that, just feel free to let me know and uh, pop on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get the word out. All right, sounds good. Yeah, we'll be in touch. Uh, I'll probably finish finalizing stuff over the weekend before I'm out of time okay. for work, um, and then I'll shoot you guys both a message or put it up on Facebook or something. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks, no Terrell. Oh, and did you hang up? <laughs> no, I'm right here. Oh. <laughs> I heard it sound like somebody hung up. I don't know. No, I'm right. No, you see, you can't get rid of me that easily. So, you know, just 
Now right. you have to engage with me for a little bit. So, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. A <laughs> um, couple things that I wanted to uh, to get out there real quick. First, we have to uh, give a shout out birthday to uh, Evan Evan Browder. Um, today's shout birthday. Out, yeah. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> for him, we do. Every, once, so, every once in a while, if your birthday ends up on the day of the show, then you get a birthday shout out. How about you that? You get a birthday shout out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a new, uh, new thing. Uh, but that's uh, a new thing. All right. Well, there you go. Um, the show with, you can't change the show on me without like notification. I get too freaked out. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Three years worth of routine. Yeah. Right. Um. Mm. Real quick, uh, before we bring Jay on, um, yeah. Carpet Fest t-shirts, um, they're available. Uh, we have 19 left to go to hit our total yeah, I think we, of 50 we shirts. 10 days. 10 days left? 10 days left, yeah. So 10 days left. If you haven't gotten your shirt, uh, you might want to sure that. You go over mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get it. Because mm-hmm. once they're gone, they're gone. Um, and I don't want to hear it. You send me an email on the tenth, going if you can order a T-shirt. I'm just it's not going to happen. No moss. Go get it now. Don't wait. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll give some uh, updates on Carpet Fest when we get to the end. But uh, on our Definitely. Carpet Fest, um, uh, I was uh, pretty lucky the other day. I hatched out. Um, hatched out. Man. I... <laughs> <laughs> that was the quickest incubation I've ever seen. <laughs> Good lord, we gotta we gotta stop the show and start over again. Yeah, it's um, hang up, scrap it, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> start it again. No, uh, I had a uh, a female citrus tiger. Um, yeah. She uh, is probably one of my favorite snakes. Um, I remember the first year that she laid. She only laid one egg. Oh yeah, I that. <laughs> last year she laid four eggs, and this year she made it to seven eggs, but two of them were slugs. Uh, ever climbing but, but that's up okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't like big clutches. She's a smaller female. I mean, she's actually one of the ones that actually eats uh, pretty regularly. Um, <laughs> what was the thing I said? We said to each other this year, and I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, your boy, like your one male, got like two females. I'm like, he gets a rat, and then you're like, and then you said, and then he doesn't get another one till August. I'm like, August, power feed, so it's like, you know, yeah, I, you know, yeah, it's kind of crazy, but I think I have my feeding finally dialed in. Like, I think you first, you're doing well, man. Yeah, the first you know. year, um. Let's see. The first year I didn't do it. I kind of fed too much. Mm. The second year I didn't feed enough <laughs> because uh, I was doing that whole uh, ambient thing. Yes. The, the next year well. I, I didn't get anything that that year, and then the next mm. year I um, I upped it a little bit. Not enough. I got some yeah. clutches. Um, but this year I, I pretty much have it dialed in. So it sounds like it and you're, and you're doing quite well. I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. Now you can stop trying to tempt me with the stuff that you're producing because it's working. All right. Knock it I off. Got, yeah. Before, well, I know we're taking up, uh, some time here, but we are, we are, we are. I'm curious. I have no idea what a super, 
well, no, it would be a caramel zebra tiger jag would even look like. But I can't wait to see. It would look see. freaky. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking That's like it's going to reduce out. the pattern. Well, um, what you always wanted is the reduced pinstripey kind of pattern. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and then the fact that they're all going to be caramels, that's cool. So who mm -hmm. knows, maybe I'll get some, uh, some caramel tigers in there. You, Granted, they won't be, be the ones I'd be out there. Mm. they won't be pure coastal. They'll be, uh, nope, I don't want them anymore. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no, uh, what do you call it? Coastals and jungles are the same thing anyway, Stop my it. friend. Stop it. So. Stop it. <laughs> it's no. true. It's true. It's in the book. <laughs> Enough. Enough of you. Anyway, let's let's get this show on the road. Yeah, let's get Jay on and uh, mm -hmm. and get it going. Hello, Jay. Welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing great. Uh, glad to have you, and uh, we're ready to talk some carpets. Oh, that's interesting. Let's do it. <laughs> 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 Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, <laughs> Jay, uh, why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of uh, an overview view of um, how you got into reptiles and the hobby altogether? Well, you know, it always goes back to your childhood. You know, I'm sure it does with most people where, you know, you're a kid, you're up finding garter snakes and water snakes and eastern milk snakes. And, you know, you, you develop that fascination as a child. And, and uh, I'm sure you guys did the same, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, that kind of lingered for a long time with me, you know, anything in the herp world, salamanders and frogs and turtles, you know, it was always fascinating to me, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, did the traditional thing in the spring and go out and catch some things and hold on to them for a while. And then, you know, in the fall, just let things go. If, uh, if they were eating at that point, you know, but a lot of these things wouldn't eat for you because there's... <laughs> You know, back then there was little to do with husbandry, and there's little information. Of course, there was no internet, and mm. there's a, the herp clubs were few and far between back then. And it's you know it's such a different world now. Mm. But uh, yeah, you know, so I got away with, uh, from it for a little bit of time, and then and then uh, years and years ago, uh, this guy named Jay Jacoby opened up a shop, a reptile shop, in, I guess in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. And I happened to stop in there one day, and I just was blown away by all the stuff he had in this little shop. And, uh, you know, stuff I'd never even seen or heard of. And it just brought back all those great memories from being a child. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And then I bought a California king snake from him, and then the Nokuchi corn snake. And he had carpet pythons in there. And at that point, you know, Nobody was breeding carpet pythons, and I remember he he hatched out a little clutch of carpet pythons back then, and I thought they were the coolest snakes I'd ever seen, you know. <laughs> and uh, and the rest is history, you know. I just you know got another snake and another snake, and you know how that goes, you know? of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my gosh! And then uh, you know you study them, and the more information comes out and more people become interested and you pass on more information and people sit down and talk about things and mm -hmm. you know, start to understand the snakes and you know how to create the proper habitats and then then you develop this thing, wow, maybe I could breed these things. And 
Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, that's where we're all sitting right now. We love to breed these snakes. And it's just uh, you know, an ongoing fascination with those animals. And, uh, you know, I know we all share the same opinions on these things. Otherwise, we wouldn't all be sitting here talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'd all be <laughs> yeah, doing something true. else. Yeah. <laughs> something more constructive. Yeah, something <laughs> proud. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I completely agree. So, what uh, what led you to Morelia? What kind of drew you to them? <laughs> well, you know, I, I was a once again going back to you know Jay Jacoby's shop in White and uh, Willow Grove. You know, I just love the look of the carpet pythons and and you know the shapes of the heads, the long slender mm. bodies, and I knew they were big but not too big, a manageable snake to have in your house. Uh, and, and he also had boa constrictors. Um, and, of course, you know, all kids love boa constrictors. Um, of course. But he had Suriname red tail boas and Guyana red tail boas, which really, really fascinated me because they were just taking the boa constrictor to another level as far as beauty goes. And, and they were more rare. And this is way before all the mope morphs came out. This is way before mm-hmm. the albino boas and uh, pastels and you know, all that stuff. This, there was just boa constrictors, basically. Um, so, you know, I, I got into the boas a little bit. Um, I started with some Brazilian red tail boas, which are my favorites. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the red tail boas are scattered all throughout South America in different locales, have different looks and patterning to them. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I successfully I bought some uh, my first pair of Brazilians from a guy named the name of Steve Hammond down in uh, Maryland when they had that very first Maryland show down there outside of Baltimore. Uh-huh. That's when the shows are really exciting because they were so few and far between. You know, you'd have to wait six or eight months to go to a show. And when wow. you went to a show, all the big readers were there and they brought all their great stuff. And uh, it was just so much fun to go to shows back then. And uh, I don't know if you're cool with that. Do you, do you guys remember those days? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I wasn't even, well, I wasn't, I wasn't plugged into Reptiles till college, so. I got uh-huh. in right when there was a show every month or every other month, and now there's mm-hmm. like one every weekend in a certain tri-state area. So yeah, I mean, yeah, there's too many. Yeah. <laughs> oh my um, gosh, it would be nice to go back to fewer shows and far between. But, oh man, that's the truth. Yeah, I remember uh, there was a show in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. That was a big one. It was a tiny little show, mm-hmm. guys from all over. You know, the, the, you know, from the Mississippi East would all come to this little show in Sellersville, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and just bring outrageous stuff, you know, and it was just so much fun to go to these shows. Like once again, you know, every six or eight months, maybe, you know, once a year you'd go to a show and then the Sellersville show turned into the Potsdam show, which, which I guess it was an annual show for a while. Um, yep. and, uh, do, you, do you remember that show, the Potsdam show? Well, it, 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 they stopped it and then... <laughs> They tried to bring it back to life recently. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, they did it in uh, near Hatfield, Pennsylvania. Oh, they tried okay. to kind of breathe some life back into it. And then it went for like three shows and very little attendance, <coughs> yeah. uh, very few vendors, and it just eventually ended up dying. And so they, they haven't done yeah. it now for 
probably almost a year now. They haven't done it. I I, I vented it once and then never <laughs> did it again. So really, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were trying there for a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, maybe it's a good thing it died. <laughs> Somebody showed it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it. Everybody's trying to start up a show at some point somewhere. They were they were trying to start one up by me uh, up here, and uh, they never got it up off the ground. But they kind uh-huh. of approached me about being a vendor. So, but it, it kind of almost seems like you'd have more fun with fewer shows because you're right. The bigger guys would show up, and it would be a big to do. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, but, you know, there still are some, obviously, some big select shows, which a lot of people show, like the White Plains show, the New York Metro show. Of a great yeah. show. And, uh, you know, and the Tilly Parks and stuff like that. That's a very big show. Yeah, that's 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 mm-hmm. huge. That's kind of taken the place, I think, of the showdown in Daytona at this point. It's the biggest show. I, I would agree. But anyway, Jay, why don't you, can you give us a <laughs> brief overview of your collection? We're going to go into detail a little bit later, but um, kind of how many snakes do you currently own, and then what species are you working with? I guess I'm probably in about that 150 snake range of varying mm-hmm. uh, sizes, you know, um, sub-adults to adults, lots of little babies from last year. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, we all have our holdbacks, which we'll never let go, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a, that's a problem sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Ask Eric, he doesn't let any go. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm such a hoarder. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We, we should just all have one show, the holdback show. Everybody brings their holdbacks to sell. That would, that would be a great show. <laughs> that would oh, be yeah. a fantastic show. I would not spend any money unless I went there. I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. So yeah, but um, uh, you know, I I have a mix of carpet pythons, um, um, some womas, um, and okay. some, of course some boa constrictors, boa constrictor constrictors mm-hmm. from uh, Suriname red tails and Brazilian red tails. But uh, I mean, my focus lays my uh, you know lays mostly in the carpet pythons. They're just they're definitely my favorites, and uh, you know, I have cool. jungles and. You know, I, I'm really at this point throwing a lot of effort into into producing coastals now. Um, I've got some, mm-hmm. some coastal things going, and and I'm striving to the best of my ability to really get coastal that I know have not been outcrossed into jungles or diamonds and stuff like that. I mean, it's really difficult, obviously, in this country to do that because mm-hmm. uh, you know so many things over the years have kind of been intermingled and and you know way back when, like I said, when this you know the show started, you know. It wasn't all this differentiation between all the different subspecies, really. You know, well, you know that, right. that really didn't start. It. When did the Barkers come out with their book? Like 1994 or something? That Pythons of the World book? Yeah, yeah I think that was it. That was a great book, and that that book really divided up all the different subspecies and the locales of the carpet pythons. I think that really drew attention to the, you know the different types of carpets that there really were. And I think at that point, a lot of people really became more selective as to what they were breeding. You know, at least some individuals tried to be selective and, and keep certain bloodlines pure, like the Lemke coastals, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Barker jungles, you know, you know, you've got those famous bloodlines. Um, but even at this point, it, it's so hard to find just these pure, pure blood animals. Um, yeah. Unless you go to Australia, really. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 
know. Unless you do something horribly illegal, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, that would be fun, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, probably, I also, yeah. yeah, I also, uh, you know, once the uh, Darwins became available, I jumped right in the Darwins because uh, I really fell into love with the Darwins. I actually once again, thanks to the Barker's book, you know, they had Darwins in there and that albino Darwin that was in there. I said, so, you know, one day I'm going to have these things no matter what. When they did become available, you know, I jumped on that, and I wanted to make sure that I waited for the pure Darwins to become available because I knew they were were bringing some some mixes from Europe for a while, but I I held out. I waited for the Darwins, and now, you know, and now I, along with the coastals, I really want to try to selectively read just normal Darwins because I think they're just absolutely spectacular animals. They are cool looking. They really are. Everybody has their favorites. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Darwin's, did you see that Darwin that was on Facebook today? The uh, one that looks like a, uh, I guess, oh, you know, it was like completely black with like a gold stripe down the back. Did you guys see oh that? Oh my gosh. I've no. Seen that. No. What the hell was this? You didn't see that? Oh, and I can't believe you didn't see Thinking, yeah, well, I was working today. I mean, what were you uh, doing? That was awful. Wow. <laughs> Hold on. Let me, I'm going to see if I can find a picture of it and try to share it on the, uh, on the Facebook. Oh, is it on the pick of the week? It would be on the pick of the week, wouldn't it? No, oh, yeah, you got to. Let's find that. I'd love to see that. Pick of the week. It <laughs> was wild looking. It reminded me of a, uh, it reminded me of a ball python morph, but I can't remember what kind it was. But man, this thing just looked wild. Like I never seen anything that. I remember oh, yeah. um, the first time I did Tinley. Um, oh, here it is. Uh, let's see. Oh, it is on the pick of the week. It's um, Andrew. Oh, I just lost it. Oh God! Uh, Give me the answer. Oh, and you should be talking now while I'm looking. I am talking, talking. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, I see it. It's very reduced in pattern. It's got some blotches. It looks almost completely very dark in color. I like it. I, I dig it. You know, it's 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 kind of another way, and that's what I kind of like about certain Morelia, and why I kind of like what Jay's doing with his coastal project is that there's no morph, but where he's line breeding and he's very particular about his coastals and he's getting really good animals from pure bloodlines to make just slamming coastals, which I'm always all for. And the Darwin in there being that it has like barely any color and very little pattern is just awesome. I would love to see them try to, you know, line breed that and see what that does. Wow. It'd be cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to share it over on the Moraine. On my timeline. Okay. Yeah, and I'm going to put it's uh, Andreas uh, Lowbrand. Yeah. I probably said that wrong because. Really pretty. So. so it must be in Europe. Anyway, it just goes to show you the potential um, well, of I mean, what you can do. I mean, we've done all this stuff with jungles. I mean, if you look at wild caught jungles or wild pet <laughs> jungles compared to the ones that are hatched in the United States, they look drastically different. So oh, yeah. there's nothing saying that you can't do that with coastal IJs, Darwin's, things like that. So yeah, I'm all yeah, for I've that. Sub- That's tough. I've subscribed to that idea for uh, 
for quite a while. There's a lot of that's why I don't have a whole lot of jungles in my collection. I think they're beautiful and whatnot, but I'm trying to uh, have that same refinement that's been done with them into the uh, other carpet pythons. And I think that's when you're gonna really start to th see things pop and shine. And and then especially when you're gonna breed those base. Um, you know, base carpet pythons, you know, like this different subspecies that have been selectively bred into the morphs. Good Lord. I mean, look what zebras have yeah. done, you know? Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the first zebras that came into the States, they weren't the prettiest and already there. I mean, there's some really nice zebras out there. Oh, uh, selective breeding. Yeah. It changes things a lot. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, that's one of the, uh, I don't know. That's, uh, I think sometimes that, um, that, that that's, what's going to take us a little while to get people's attention because I think with some of these morphs, it's kind of like you're kind of plugging them. We're just plugging them into, uh, mm. you know, these different things and, you know, like it just take like, uh, I don't know, take a granite, you know, imagine plugging that into like a, uh, a GQ or a PC line IJ or, you know, uh, you name it, you know, Exanic into like some of these crazy uh, coastals that like even some of the stuff that you that you have, Jay, imagine, you know, like taking a like that simple morph and like then, you know, tweaking it oh, out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the fun of breeding because you, you you get to breed these things and put them together and then and wait to see what happens and you know you just don't know what's going to happen and once yeah. in a while you hit something like wow it just blows your mind <laughs> you know something new and completely exciting and beautiful yeah. stuff yeah, it's yeah so I, that's what I like. yeah so it's um I wanted to talk a little bit about that with uh, with some of the stuff that you're doing. Uh, you have quite a few projects that um, yeah uh, that go in that that route. A lot of people make <laughs> they make fun of me because I I say that you could take well let me put it this way. I see these guys that deal with uh, we call them royal pythons on the show, but um, mm -hmm. I see these guys where they'll they'll pick over all these different animals and they'll look at something to us that would look like a normal looking, uh, you know, ball Python and they're able to pick out these traits and then they put them together and wow, they get this crazy stuff. So my yeah. thinking is, is that you would be able to do the same thing with carpets, but a lot of times people just kind of chalk it up to variability. Oh, they're just yeah. variable, mm -hmm. you know, which I know that we really don't have a whole lot of, you know, wild caught stock that we're dealing with i get that i understand right. that but is there projects that we could be breeding that we're not because we're just chalking it up to variability so um when i was at white plains i got to see some of the stuff that you were you know that you were working on and uh i was quite impressed and uh you know i want to talk about some of it so i guess the coolest thing is is that you have this coastal carpet um that you know is kind of i don't know how to describe it but it's probably one of the coolest looking carpet pythons that uh that i've seen so maybe you can give us some back history uh, what's okay. the story with it 
what breedings have you done? And for anybody that wants to see it, yeah, you can go over to uh, Jay's uh, Facebook page, Best Boyds. He has it over there. Mm-hmm. It's also on uh, Morelia Python Radio Facebook page um, to see what we're talking about. So laying on us. Okay. So um, a few years ago, I was down at the Daytona show. Um, and one of the vendors there had, you know, had a bunch of normal coastals, but he had these supposedly normal coastals. Um, but he had these two that were just very different. Um, they came out of this clutch out of all these other ones. And the one was very strange. Um, I have a picture of that animal up on my Facebook page, up on the the little icon that you use, I guess your profile picture, I guess you call it. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the little male that I picked up. He didn't know what it was. You know, he had astronomical price on it, and he was calling it a granite, and he didn't know what to call it. And I knew it wasn't a granite, especially since it was a coastal. And this is, you know, this is not, this is going back a few years. So granites weren't all out all over the place like they are now anyway. And I just knew something was up with this animal. And he had, like I said, this is the male that was the strangest. And he had a female that was somewhat strange as well. And I just had a hunch that something's going on with this thing genetically. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just not your typical random patterning. <clears throat> so I thought about it. I thought about it. I talked to the guy numerous times throughout the show. Um, and I went back and forth and he wanted a lot of money for them. And he ended up not selling them by the end of the show, which totally blew me away. You know, and once the show was done, I, I know he walked away with them. I knew mm-hmm. I'd see him again. And I just, I spent many nights just pondering, laying in bed. <laughs> about these snakes. Why did they buy them? So I waited until I saw the guy again. I knew he'd have them. And then, um, I was happier than the pig and you know what, when I saw that he had them and I, I just made him a deal and um, yeah. we, we came to a, a, an agreement and uh, I got these animals and so I raised them up and lo and behold, I was able to breed them and he brought them back to his sister and I first clutch I produced was 11 babies and every single baby was a baron. So to varying degrees, you know, one of the more apparent ones, obviously, is the one I have pictured on my Facebook page. That's one of the my original mm-hmm. letter. Um, I had some others that are equally as crazy, if not more crazy, which I have not posted pictures of yet. Um, but uh, definitely something going on there. Um, so that was, I think that was three years ago. Um, two years ago, I, I moved to my snake room and uh, I changed my whole setup. And I had not such a great breeding season, but I was still able to produce a small clutch pairing again. Yeah. And once again, every baby was a barren. Again, uh, you know, once you get to varying degrees, some more barren than others, but they all had some kind of embarrassy. Um And then I think I only have five babies from that clutch. And last year, I produced a very small little litter from the parents. Um, and I, I had four babies, two of them never ate. Um, but I kept two, and both of those are barren. Um, the, the big issue I have so far is I've not been able to outcross that animal to really see what, what's going on. Uh, I've, I've tried every year, but I just never took for the past three years. So I'm hoping that maybe I was able to to do that this year. The female looks like she's very gravid right now. Okay. I'm waiting on her. Um, I, I outcrossed her with a with a, a male coastal that I know has at least a 20-year lineage of just 
Hampshire Coast, it's a Lemke Coastal. So I'm trying to the best of my ability to really keep it coastal as much as I know. Um, so we're really going to have to wait and see what happens this year. And then, then at least I'll know more about the, the, the genetics on these animals, whether it's a simple recessive yeah. or, you know, predominant, something like that. So we're waiting to see. But uh, they're really wow. great. They're really hardy animals once you get a meeting. And, you know, I've had, they're completely unproblematic, and they're just crazy different, you know, as you can see. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love the the. It looks like somebody smudged out the head pattern. Yeah. The uh, the original original one that you had, which is just wild looking. Well, that's one of the that's one of the traits on these animals. All of them have somewhat aberrant head patterns, you know, to varying degrees. Once again, but you know, none of them have a normal, you know, like a typical pattern on their head. So you know, it's. I can't wait to see it. I'm really hoping that female drops eggs and successfully has some of them just to see what comes out of them. Really chomping at the bit about that. But it's definitely (laughs) genetic. So we'll see what happens. That's cool. I mean, hopefully, man. What, what, well, let me ask you this. Like, what is, what is the feeling like, you know, knowing (laughs) that you have this project that, basically could be something new in the carpet python morph world like what's that feeling like yeah. uh you know you know as you could probably imagine i'm extremely excited because what you know as far as i know it's all coastal it's pure coastal so and that's another thing i'm leaning into i, I just i'm trying not to outcross into different subspecies of animals at this point most of the stuff right I'm doing, you know i'm going to keep my dalbino darwins darwins and you know, I, we're going to keep my coastals coastals. But the thing is, you know, I, I can breed this into the tiger lines or the jaguar lines or the exanthic lines. And I also am working with two hypocoastals as well. And some of you probably Which know is that. fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, I've got all sorts of different lines where, you know, I, I can move all these things all within the coastal realm and uh, keep them all coastals. And, you know, whatever happens to them outside of my my world of snakes is, you know, obviously it's going to be interesting as well. At least I'll be able to keep yeah. everything coastal. Um, right. Right. I'm very excited about that. Who knows I mean, wow. what, you know, what's going to happen when I breed that into a Jaguar, you know, that's, a, that's just going to be outrageous. I think we'll see. Yeah, that would be cool. And even then just to see the different combinations within coastal, you know, those that kind of aberrant patterning with exanic would be awesome. They're already oh my awesome gosh. on its own. Add that mm-hmm. stuff with some jag stuff going. I, it it would look killer no matter where it goes. So oh my gosh, very excited to see what you do with that. So oh yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. I got a lot of work ahead of me over the next few years with this, but you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride. I, I think. Well, you know, me and Owen will both uh, be knocking at your door yeah, when you're yeah. available. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's cool. Coastals are my uh, bread and butter, so. Uh, so well, I've, awesome. I've had almost eight, 800 views of that picture since yesterday. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> it's generating a lot of interest, which, you know, yeah. I expected it would. But yeah, I, I mean, like I, you got something that's, that's uh, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of, you very rarely it's see sweet. that kind of thing happen in the, you know, outside of Australia, but, uh, yeah, you know, 
Well, somehow somebody in Australia got that a picture of one of these snakes and was tossing it around one of their forums this last year, and nobody had ever seen anything like it, even in Australia. Wow. Which, wow, that's that's what I was looking at, you know, as far as what they were saying. People were like, huh. wow, what's that? Where is that? Who did that? And I was like, so, you know, it's it's pretty interesting. It's exciting. That's, that's really cool. And I mean... Imagine if you were the guy who sold them to Jay and then you realized that all of a sudden they were something completely, you know, insane. So, well, well you know, it was a gamble. It's a big gamble. You, you, you it is, get it into is. something that you just don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I can relate for the, uh, you know, I have this uh, melanistic type IJ that right, um, right. I, 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 I firmly believe it's genetic, but I don't have proof. Um, you know, and I think it's mm-hmm. going to work where when you have the the end, uh, I don't know if you would say the super form of it or whatever is going to be like an all black snake, mm-hmm. which an all black carpet python will be nice. Well, you've seen that all black jungle, haven't you? I mean, that thing is crazy. Yeah. 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 What is it called? The panther jungle? Is that what they're calling that? Thing? Oh, my God. You know, that's. <laughs> Uh, I recognize that conversation. That is a snake that I will probably sell my kid before at one point. <laughs> so it, 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 it's something about an all black carpet python just speaks to me. So I, they will be mine eventually, but well, done. Jay, I don't know if you caught this today, but they have an albino coastal now in Australia. Yeah. I've heard of this. I heard that? about this about four years ago, actually. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, and now apparently they're making hats, which is awesome for people like me and you, Jay, who don't really want to mix things. This means I can do more projects in 10 years. So, yes. get here. so it'll be, you know, pure coastal sun glows, pure coastal, uh, the hell else is there? Snows. Yeah, done. Oh, cool. Awesome. So it'll give me something to do 10 years from now. Oh, yeah. I really Definitely think out of all the, uh, I don't know what you guys think, but I think out of all the subspecies of carpet pythons, I think coastals probably, jungles would probably be next, but I think coastals probably lend itself to these different directions that you could take um, them in. I mean, they look so different <laughs> depending on where they're from or what line they're from. And, right, you right. know, I mean, it's just such a, such a crazy palette of color and pattern and to work with oh yeah well yeah Uh, it's too bad we don't have a lot too many true locality coastals in the united states i mean obviously you know you look at some of the the websites they do the brisbane coastals and you know i guess they have a rockhampton coastals and you know all sorts of different ones and you know they're all different as different as you know the subspecies are just you know amongst mm -hmm. themselves yeah i have uh yeah, I have um, a, I have a pair of each of those, and to look at all of them, you know, you look at a Rock Hampton, and then you look at like a Port Douglas, and mm-hmm. it almost they look like a jungle with coastal colors. Like right, <laughs> it's right. it's crazy, you know, it's just wild. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a very distinct head pattern. Um, oh yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just very cool. But uh, there's a lot of possibilities that can uh, can be done um, with with coastals, which is which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Any other projects that you got going on as far as coastals go that uh, <clears throat> working with? Um, 
I did mention I hit the hypocoastals, which I, uh, I lucked out in getting them a few years ago, but they've been, uh, it's been not too easy to breed them. I know my female's not going to go this year. <laughs> I've had two two males just vigorously breed her all, all winter, and she's not showing any signs of being gravid at all, unfortunately. Ah, that's another one that Eric and I would have been front row for. Yeah, I've got a bunch of <laughs> bunch of people waiting for those animals. <laughs> I know. So, but, uh, you know, I, I I have two from a very very small litter I produced a couple of years ago that I'm raising up, and they're they're. I posted one actually on my Facebook page. Um, they're, they're they're starting to look really nice, and I think the one that I posted is a male, so I'm going to try to get him to size to breed his mother hopefully next winter, and we'll see what happens. Um, cool. And then it's got the exanthic coastals, which I, I, I really want to breed that into the hypo. And, uh, and yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yes, um, please God. <laughs> now, that, do you work with caramel at all? Do the caramel gene? Do you have that? Or I have a yes, I have a. a you know, I, I picked up a real nice uh, super caramel from Nick Mutnick the uh, year before last, and she's turning out amazing. Um, mm-hmm. okay. Caramel female that I thought was going to go this year, I'd better do a tiger jag, but I don't think that went either. I changed some things around in my snake room this year to experiment, and I'm not sure I did the right stuff. So <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. Ain't that always the way? Yeah. How do they? How does the uh, hypo compare to the caramel? Like very different. Which, um, you know what I might do? I might take a picture of the two side by side and post them on my face. That would be awesome. And I would um, love to see the different. I would love to see the difference of once they are both bred to the exanics. Like I'd love to see a super caramel exanic next to a uh, hypo exanic and see the differences between the two. Um, so I know that they've been kind of saying that caramel is kind of like a cheap way of getting to hypo, and I'd love to see how close we're getting or you know, could get, if there's any difference. Well, I definitely think it's a, it's a, definitely a form of hypomelanism. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just, uh, you know, obviously when you breed caramel to caramel, you get the supers and then it really shines at that point. You know, you're very, very mm-hmm. black. Or hardly anybody, as you know, you produce some really nice super caramels yourself there, Owen, this past season. They're Thank you. beautiful animals. Thank you. And, uh, you know, you know, you know what happens. And then I, yeah. I think we we got to refine that line too. I mean, I think plain rose caramels is really going to be something in the next couple of years. You know, people are already producing awesome animals. Yeah, um, and I, I also with that. Go ahead. I just, I just think the combinations, as well as just the refinement with more coastal lines that are over here, as well as just you know, people getting better animals and as those holdbacks from those breedings are getting older and breeding with the holdbacks from other breedings, we're going to start to start seeing even better, even better, even better. So. Yeah, that's selective line breeding, right, exactly. Uh-huh. Now, yeah, I was lucky enough also, uh, Chris Bayhoff had this really crazy hypo-ish looking animal that he picked up um, that I, I ended up getting from him this past year. Um, I don't oh. know if anybody remembers seeing that thing. I do, because he kept trying to he sent pictures of it to me a bunch of times. I did not know where he ended up, and I'm glad I know where he ended up now. So oh, my collection. <laughs> there you go. And awesome. Good thing. It, yes, I, uh, I'm really, I was super happy to get that. And then um, he was vigorously breeding one of my nice big female coastals, and she appears pretty rabid right now. So I'm crossing all my fingers and toes for that because I really want to see what happens with that. This hypomelanism seems to be a, a, a co-dominant thing, just from my experience. 
Mm-hmm. So if that is the right. fact, and that is true hypomelanistic, a different form of hypomelanism, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll all have some babies that you know, you definitely show that characteristic. But you know, it remains to be seen. So we'll we'll have to wait and see on that one too. <laughs> What do you guys? What do you guys think as far as when we're dealing with the uh, with hypo, with caramel, even with the red? When you're putting the animal uh, with another uh, animal, what what would be what you would you would look for to produce better better caramels or hypos or reds? Um, you know, because I think the original thought was that you would take an animal with less black. But right. uh, turns out that some of the results from doing that um, really didn't turn out as well as people had thought. Right, um, right. I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on what you would put uh, that you know hypo uh, hypo gene with to make uh, to refine it better? You know what? I, it, I, there's so few of them out there. I, I don't know. At this point, I'm just trying to breed whatever I can to it, right? <laughs> to see what happens. Right. Yeah. That's why I said that I think we're at the beginning stages, you know, as, as more and more we refine these things, you know, I think yeah. uh, you'll see, you'll see better, better results, but. Well, I, I probably the person, at least in the United States, that has the best experience with that would be Nick Martin. I mean, he's really line bred some really spectacular super caramels, mm-hmm. you know, super reduced black and really bright colors. You know, I, I think he probably would be the best one to answer that. I mean, he's he's got some amazing animals. And, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We I was talking about it maybe a couple of weeks on the show. Uh, yeah, Nick's a pretty good good friend of mine, and... Um, I was saying that I went to his website and um, I was checking out his caramel stuff and I was blown away by what he had produced. I just was seriously like, wow, it's really yeah. top-notch stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. yeah great stuff. Well, like I said, I wouldn't produce some pretty nice animals too, so I wouldn't knock his animals either. But, uh, you know, yeah. it's just a, a question of like, you know, every year just taking the best ones, breeding them back to the best ones, you know, yeah, refining everything. Really, yeah. You know, if that's what you're trying to do is produce, you know, take certain traits that you really respect and like and, and magnify those traits. That's what people do for the jungles, obviously. And, you know, even that, you know, sometimes you breed the very best jungles back to each other. You're still going to get some babies that just don't express colors like you want them to you know, right right you know you'll get good ones you'll get medium ones you'll get the ones that are just ugly as sin but yeah. and you know what even when you breed your holdbacks that you've been breeding for several years you're still going to get ones that are on the bottom end of the scale and that's just the way it is you never yeah. with, with carbon pythons you never get a clutch of all spectacular looking animals all at once. You still have some that are down at the opposite end. There's still no slouches, but you know, they're always gonna be prettier ones in the clutch. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And those are all the ones we hold back for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, of course. Those are the ones I because I did all the work. You know. Yeah. You guys can have everything else I don't want. <laughs> That's why I always say I breed for myself first. <laughs> right. We all yeah. do that. It's funny because people will approach you and you're like, well, how about, can I get first pick of the clutch? It's like, no, no one gets first pick of the clutch. 
but me. Yeah. <laughs> you can have <laughs> second pick. Yeah, you have a second pick is the best you're going to get. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, definitely. So let's talk about some of um, your other uh, other projects that you're working with. Um, you said you were working with the Darwins. What do you, what's, what's your uh, deal with that? I remember, I think I first yeah, I, met you at Tinley Park, and I was there at the table with David Diamond. And oh, he yeah. had picked up this Darwin that was almost hypo looking. And I remember texting Nick and I was like, Nick, I can't believe that he got fr- – because what had happened is Nick had contacted me and contacted Dave. And I think he contacted a couple other people about that clutch in particular. And mm-hmm. uh, he said that um, for some reason I didn't call him back right away. So he gave David first pick and he – brought it to the show and everybody that walked by that table that day was like, Oh my God, what is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, That's nice. Oh yeah. I, I remember texting Nick and I was like, Nick, I can't believe I, I screwed up on this and, and didn't call you back. And he says, don't worry. You have one that looks just like it. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Because that has to be uh-huh. one of the coolest looking Darwin, uh, that thing's my favorite. But yeah, um, do you have? I, I was looking at your your Facebook uh, page, and you have something similar. So you must have got something along those lines as well. Or what? What are you working with? Yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to. I have a couple different bloodlines of Darwins at this point, and um, you know, I just posted a pic of a of like a, a yearling on my page, which is very reduced black and, and, the, and the orange is really vibrant on this thing. And that's just, you know, that's what I like in the Darwin's. I, you know, what I'm trying to produce is a very low black, high orange banded Darwin. You know, that's to me, you know, is the perfect Darwin, you know, the, you know, the perfect phenotype for me to produce. And that, that's what I'm striving for. It's a, uh, you know, nice Darwins are just beautiful animals. Just like that, uh, the PC line, Irene Jaya, you know, everybody knows that line. You know, that's a certain look to that Irene Jaya that everybody just absolutely loves. Yes. You know, you, know, mm-hmm. I, I, you could do the same thing with the Darwins. I, you know, I, I'm seeing that already. So, you know, I, I'm not that concerned with actually producing albinos as much as just really nice Darwins. That's really what I want to do. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. You said you, yours is beautiful too. And, and you know, it's just, some really nice ones out there. And I think there's enough bloodlines available now that we don't have to worry about you know, inbreeding so much because, you know, I think there's four or five different bloodlines available in the United States at this point. Correct so, mm-hmm. yes. me if I'm wrong. So, I think that's a good there's thing. four, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, I just, uh, I just shared it over on the, uh, uh, NPR Facebook page, but, uh, that is a beautiful animal. Very, very nice orange, very clean. Man, nice oh, yeah. bands. Yeah, beautiful yeah, animal. Great. Yeah. I see some pictures of yours. Did uh, post some pictures of yours. How they're turning out. I haven't seen any pictures of that for a while, so I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to take some pics. I have a female that kind of looks similar to, to this one, but not as yeah. reduced black. But <laughs> mm-hmm. the, uh, the reduced black on this one is crazy. And that's what I I, I kind of say it's in the same lines of uh, that's like a PC Darwin, you know, poster child mm-hmm. Darwin. So. Mm-hmm. Very cool. 
Yeah, it's weird. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't even necessarily want to reduce all the black because I think sometimes I have another one where the black is on all the all the saddles, but the black actually actually defines out the orange from the from the white and actually makes it somehow look even nicer. I think on some of these animals, so you know, it all depends on the animal itself. But, uh, you know. Yeah, I think I think your uh, the contrast is uh, yes. what makes that pop. You know. Yeah, if you could yeah. somehow like refine that, uh, I guess maybe make that. What would that be like? That tan color, that khaki color, maybe even a little more. That would be cool. Brighter, man. You would. Yeah. Yeah. So much that you could do. I, you know, is it weird? Do you guys think? I mean, you think back to the days when I first got into carpet pythons, and like the the fact of just having a Darwin carpet was just like, oh, man, that's like the greatest Incredible. thing ever. And it seems yeah. like, I don't know, it seems to me like they get that, they really got the short end of the stick because people just kind of like tossed them off as this, uh, that looks like an IJ. In reality, right. they really well, don't. They don't. I, I think they got the short end of the stick because that is the curse of where albino cropped up. So Darwin's. Yeah. It's like, yeah, nobody took the time. Like you, you have inlands and you have all these other you know, things and all these other localities, or even these localities across the coastal with the Brisbane and the other things like that, that have the appreciation for them because of what they are. You kind of almost skip the appreciation for a Darwin as a Darwin because albino came so hot on its heels. So it was like, oh, Darwins are here. They're kind of cool. Holy crap, albinos. So it's yeah. like you didn't have the time to really have the people who just like Darwins for being Darwins. You're exactly. kind of getting that now, but you don't have that much differentiation or pull away from the albino line. So it's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. I, I, I agree with you 100%. They're very, very underappreciated, the, the normal Darwins at this point. You know, mm -hmm. obviously there's a few people like us that do appreciate <laughs> them and realize how special they are. You know, and the, I think as we refund them, you know, more people will see how beautiful these things are. You know, I think it's a, yeah. I think it's a good thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I, I was, uh, my idea is to go more in the stripe direction with the Darwins. Mm. I think that, mm -hmm. uh, that color, but striped, I, I'm a fan of stripes. Anything striped uh -huh. is, is cool with me, but, um, you know, I think that, uh, I, you know, it's their head pattern. I really like their head pattern where it's almost solid. Um, yes. No, there's just something about the way that their head is that's different than um, any other carpet python. But well, the head pattern seems to pick up that orange from the saddles too. A lot of them, and some of them have a lot of orange in the heads, which I absolutely just love. I think it's just beautiful. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at this close-up shot of that. Uh, I don't know if that's a male or a female that you have in the pick, but you can actually see in the head that that orange. Which is wild looking. Yeah, it's great. That's, that's a beautiful. That's animal. something that the uh, the IJs don't get that in their head. You know, the Darwin's no. too. Yeah. True. Very cool. Yeah, All right. Um, how about um, let's see. Uh, one of the other things I noticed on your Facebook page was uh, 
IJ Jags. Are you still working with them? And I see that uh, you were going towards trying to make a perfect black stripe down the back of the of, uh, the Jag, which yeah. is just wild. <laughs> yeah, that's mm -hmm. something that, you know, I, I picked that up as a project, uh, I guess, about a year ago. I, I just always like this fully fully blown unbroken racing stripes down the backs of some snakes and you know it's kind of hard to get and you know, once again the striping is genetic and i think line breeding you can just uh really perfect that or reduce saddles on the side with a jet black stripe down the back like a, so we took an el marco mark you know marker right down the back of the snake and i know uh with that uh bill stegel has produced some jungle jags similar to mm. that and uh they're just stunning animals yes um, so, you know, that's something, you know, I've kind of been leaning into. I'm not sure I'm going to stick with that project because I've got all these other projects going on. But uh, <laughs> once you, it's that line breeding, you know, it's just uh, you can really produce some really nice stuff if you put the effort into it. Yeah. Yeah, so, the cool thing awesome. is, is that in the, uh, in the non-JAG offspring, you also have that black stripe that goes, <clears throat> I guess on this one, it's probably three quarters of the way down to the back. Which, oh yeah, it's a solid stripe. Yeah, it's beautiful. That actually even looks yeah. nicer than the jag when you put them side by side in the light. It's really, really a cool animal. Very cool yeah. stuff. You very, Genetic. you hardly ever see that black stripe go down the back of carpet pythons. You know, no, in, the, uh, no. in just the straight yeah. offspring. So again, like where that would be a. Uh, you know, something that I guess stood out to you, and you selectively bred for it. That's uh, oh yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's fun. It's fun to find weird things and to play with these things and you know perfect them. You know, that's what I kind of like to do. You know, I, I try to look for the stuff that nobody else is playing with and and uh, you know take it to another level. It's kind of fun to do <laughs> that. <laughs> that. I like that idea. I mean, that's the 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 road less traveled kind of thing you can have and. Uh, it's almost like I think I think it's almost like you you're saying that you think this thing is cool and everybody else is going to get hit to your trick eventually. But until then, you know, you're kind of like the only guy playing with it right now. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind of the way it works for me. You know, I just uh, look for the underdog snakes, I guess. <laughs> 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 the less popular ones. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, around. And I also have yeah, a. Right. Yeah, yeah, go the, ahead. Uh, what, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, you know, like you're saying, you know, we're talking about this stuff that nobody else is playing with. I, I have this yeah. supernova jags, yeah. which are kind of unusual animals. They um, are. Um, what's the story behind them? Yeah, anybody remember the guy Randy? Randy, Randy Mackey, I believe his last name was. The, I do. New Jersey. I actually do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he produced the very first litter of these supernova jags, and everybody just went crazy over these things because they were so unusual. And uh, supposedly he he picked up these animals that theoretically they were an undescribed subspecies of carpet python. It was theorized to come from Papua New Guinea. Um, mm -hmm. That's what everybody. That was the, the conclusion after all the hubbub was you know raised about them. Um, and you know the name supernova. Um, came from, you know, New Guinea used to be called Nova Guinea. You know, right. A lot of the older maps, and people thought these are super snakes from Nova Guinea, so they coined their name Supernova. I think it, 
think it was coined on RelliaPythons.com, you know, way back when. Well, back a few years, but but they're distinctly different animals because the babies are, are completely different than the and the other, you know, IJ jags I've ever seen. You know, the babies come out a lot of them almost white, and it's super nice ivory white, and you know the patterning is different on them, and a lot of them are very aberrant patterns and uh, very strange head markings on them. Um, uh, but they're, they're just definitely a different animal. Wherever they came from, you know, I, I don't know for sure. No, I don't think anybody does. But uh, I know the original animals that he, he bought um, were small. They were only like five feet long. And uh, I think his first one original clutch, this five-foot python, I think 26 or 28 eggs came out of this thing. And really? Yeah, I think, yeah he, he bred... Uh, and that's what they called the hypo jag. That's what they were calling it back then, back to this female. And the babies were just so outrageous. And so many of them were just extremely reduced pattern animals. So, uh, you know, I saw these things. I, I was just about ready. This is when, uh, when um, you know, Reptilicus was producing, uh, just starting to produce those tiger jags, which were, at that time, just blew everybody away as well. Yeah, it's ready. Combination from tiger and jag. Yeah. Oh my God, that was just incredible. I was ready to invest in that project, and then I and then Randy produced these supernovas, and then I kind of shifted my gears and went right to Randy. I said, Oh my gosh, we got to work something out. <laughs> so I ended up uh, doing, you know, bought some, and we tra- we did some trading back and forth, Randy and I, and uh, ended up with a you know nice little group of these things, and I got a lot of the uh, the siblings wow. too, which made. He didn't have very many siblings because most of them were jags. I mean, there's a high percentage of jags came out of his first litter, and uh, I got the siblings as well, um, which enabled me to breed the siblings back to the jags. So I'm kind of breeding them as they were first produced. Mm-hmm. Just really crazy-looking snakes. You know, I'm not sure some people have posted some pictures of them on some of the other forums that have bought them for me, and uh, they're just beautiful snakes. So I'm kind of like one of the very few people work with them. I know Mike Curtin had one and he, he outcrossed it with his ivory line, but she produced mm-hmm. some really beautiful snakes, you know, with that thing. And uh, a couple other people had them. I don't know if they still do. I, I haven't really heard of anybody else using these supernovas at, at this point. I know some of them have died from respiratory problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I saw a pair, a friend of mine had a pair back when they were babies that he got direct, from Randy, but I think he ended oh. up selling them back to Randy. <clears throat> really? He got out of snakes. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure he got them, and they were tiny, tiny little things. Yeah. And then he sold them, I think, back to Randy, and then I think, I, I don't know where they went from there. They could potentially be with you. So um, It might be in, It might have been in my collection, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that might be where they ended up, but it was, they were, you're exactly correct with the whole, like, these were baby jags that came out white when everything under the sun that was jag related was coming out yellow. So it was completely off on this whole other like island and it was crazy and they looked awesome. And I've seen your adults, you brought them to a few things and they developed nice and they're very cool. Oh yeah. They're really great. Great animals. Now, now are these the same thing as now I have, I have, New guineas that are, I guess they call them Nova guineas, um, that came from Europe. Is this the same? No, no okay, these, so this is something different. something different. 
Yeah, Visa and his adults had like these little triangle patterns on their heads, and they were very, very reduced patterning up the sides. Um, very okay. different looking. I, I know the animals you're talking about, and those are equally as nice, but just a different animal. You know, I don't, I don't know what they're calling those as far as you know the scientific nomenclature for those. But uh, these were, I've never seen snakes like this. I have not seen them eat to this day. I've not seen any more like them. Um, I don't know if they came in through Bushmaster, through Indonesia. I don't even know how they entered the country, but they were, they were definitely strange-looking carpet pythons. As far as I know, all those original adults were gone. Right. Um, I was lucky enough to get one of the original adults um, a few years ago, and I bred one of my supernova jags back to the... It was a female, and I bred one of the males back, and she was gravid. I was so excited. Um and then she became eggbound and died on me, unfortunately. Oh wow! Um, that was a that was a bad loss, but you know, yeah, is what it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so, that's cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I att- I attest the uh, the new the New Guineas to basically Cape York carpet pythons. That's what I uh-huh. think they are. That line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's also a line that that I work with is Derek Roddy's right. um, New Guinea that he calls them. Um, they're also I would say that there would be similar to what you'd see at Cape York area. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So kind of, yeah, that's Pretty cool. I, I, it's okay. I, that's the one thing that I was confused on. So I'm glad that you cleared that up. Like I, I was always wondering if they were the same thing and uh, you know, that's, I've heard that name, but uh, never really knew. Yeah, the I story, heard so. supernovas. Yeah. <laughs> so, he thought yeah, he was getting away with it, but now he needs supernovas. So uh, well, somewhere, so. somewhere in one of these like photo buckets or one of these, you know, websites where people display photos there, I, as far as I know, there's still pictures of Randy's animals. I, I wish I knew where they were, but they're out there on the internet somewhere. And uh, if mm. you just dig those pictures up, I would just love to get some of those pictures so people could see what the adults look like because they were very strange. Maybe the archive on MoreliaPythons.com, is that still that far back, or did we lose all those things? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm willing to bet that it's somewhere back there in, in those archives. Yeah. I'm going to go on a mission. <laughs> there we go. It'd be worth looking uh, there. You know? Check now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's something that I do. Okay, so uh, let's see. What other projects do you work? Do you work with diamond pythons? Yeah, over the years I've had a few diamonds, and uh, you know, like like everybody else, they were poorly understood, and we all kept our diamonds too warm. We tried to keep them like carpet pythons, and we ended up, uh, you know, not having great success with them. <laughs> you gotcha. know, and <clears throat> so you know, I, I kind of got out of the diamonds for a while, and then I started looking into them again, and really understanding what they really were. And they're, they're really such a different animal as compared to regular carpet pythons and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, rattles pythons. And uh, I don't know how much you guys know about them, but you, you almost have to give them like corn snakes. Yeah. And, huh. yeah they like no, 50 he... degree temperatures and 60 degree temperatures. They like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they're even different than, cause I have my rattles and you keep them during off season. I keep them like my carpets, but during breeding season, they got to leave the room. And go into an adjacent room that gets down into, you know, fifties and forties. So it's it's kind of like that. I would is what I'm hearing. So 
Yeah. Yeah. They, they, what I did uh, years ago, I, I might have been one of the first first guys to breed brittles in this country, but I, I, I experimented with them, and I found that I, if I extended the cooling period for these animals, mm-hmm. I didn't even try to breed them until after they'd already warmed up, and they would usually breed after that cooling cycle. Like a month afterwards yeah. is when they started to breed, so they're very late breeders as compared to the other stakes. And, uh, I, you know, I finally produced them. I was super happy because I kind of figured it out. And, uh, you know, that's what they do. They're very different animals, just like the diamonds. So I wish I could figure out my Womas now. <laughs> I'm not having great success with the Womas. Yeah, th- it's apparently they're uh, not as easy as people think to breed. Uh, I've heard that a few times. And then the eggs are different. Yes. It's, it's always the one that everybody else has success with that you're like, why? Why won't you breed for me? <laughs> In my opinion. Right, right. Well, some people have great success. They've got it all dialed in and they figured it out. And you know, there's some really beautiful womas out there too now. It's just if you like those kind of snakes, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't that it? That's another one that kind of, to me, I don't know, people seem to overlook it. I, I, I wasn't around at this time, but I remember people talking about like when Wolmas first came out and there's like $12,000 for a pair of Wolmas or something like oh, that, yeah, you cool. know, and people are like, you know, just go crazy over this Woma Python. It's almost, it's, it's kind of my thing that, that I have with the whole rare reptile thing. It's like, you know, something becomes a fads, it's rare, nobody has it and then nobody cares mm-hmm. about it. So did you really have rare. a passion for that species or you just, I think if more people just bred what they liked, it would be such yeah. a better, better Thanks. hobby. And, you know, it's just who cares what anybody yeah. else is doing. Just, you know, do what you do and right. you know, not worry about it, you know, just do it good. I was into water pythons. I was into water pythons before it was cool. Okay. So <laughs> I want to make sure that that's known throughout the land is that I had my waters when it was, you know, they were just pissed off brown snakes with orange bellies. So, yeah. Oh, and you might be the only guy in the world that likes water pythons, but that's okay. I man. hate them. They're horrific. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have to have them. So you're gonna make them famous, Owen. You wait and see. Yeah, Everyone's gonna want them. <laughs> that brown iridescence is just amazing. Give me that pissed off brown snake that is just hideous. Yeah, give me that one. I want that one. God. And then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very cool. I have. Uh, I don't know if um, you. Re- I saw it in in the uh, in the book, and I think you were you had a book at like at your table when we were at White Plains, right. and um, mm-hmm. we were talking about uh, different things you were working on, and you had this jungle carpet thing that you were kind of uh, doing. Are you still working on that, or is that uh, you yeah. want to talk about that? Uh, yes, a couple years ago. I picked up some animals from a guy named Peter Jolies, I guess is how you pronounce his name. He was down in Maryland. Yep. And he produced this really cool jungle, which had these big black spots up and down the, you know, laterally up and down the sides of the snake. And uh, I saw this thing. It's like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I, I've got to get these. And, uh, and he had them up for sale. And uh, he posted them on Fauna one day. And I guess I was one of the first people to see that. And course I contacted them instantly on it and uh, I ended up getting 
this one animal that he produced, which is outrageous. Um, he also posted that on Morelia pythons. Uh, I remember that the first time I ever saw the snake in one of the forums, and people were going crazy over this thing. But I ended up buying that. It's sibling. I guess it was a 2010 or 2011 animal, and I bought two from the, a year newer than that. And I also ended up with the adults that produced it. So I've got that whole project now. And uh, wow, it's uh, it's definitely genetic mm. because all the okay. animals have these circles up and down their sides, which, once again, now we got this line breeding thing going where, you know, to produce a jungle with these circular patterns all up and down the sides, it's going to be incredible. You know, I'll post a, I'll have to post a picture of that on my Facebook page, too. Yeah. Very soon, because, you know, that's going to ruffle some feathers as well, I think. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just crazy. It's crazy looking. Well, we'll see. Cool. Um, so I've got all sorts of fun things going on now. I, the female, I, I bred her back. Uh, you know, I bred the two adults this season. I, I, I gave them off last year, but I definitely bred them this year. But she did lay a small clutch, but I'm not sure that they actually fertile. So I'm waiting mm-hmm. to see. Um, okay. But I really, next year, the, the really crazy male that he produced will be big enough to breed back to his mother. And that's really what I'd like to do next year. So I'm really excited to see where that happens. So that, yeah, so that's, that's something else. You know, I've got all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like. Cool. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I remember looking at that picture and thinking, wow, that's just wild looking. And I kind of have the image in my head, but I can't really remember it. So I'll look forward to seeing those pics uh, when you post, I'll post them a up. Picture. I'll post a picture just for you, Eric. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's fun. You know, that that's the fun of breeding from here because you get to put this stuff together, not really knowing what's going to happen. And it's exciting mm-hmm. to know, you know, that something new and interesting, something nobody's ever seen before might pop out. And I think it's just, it's a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. So we all do it. So, yeah. It's like know. Christmas, you know. Like Christmas morning. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You get that feeling like when you were a kid, you know, it's like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see this. It's day 53. Why aren't you hatching? (laughs) You know, like that kind of thing. Oh, my gosh. It drives you crazy, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Dying over here, waiting for eggs. (laughs) And then I'm going to die some more until they hatch. So, you know. Uh, Very cool. Go ahead, Owen. I got his. Of course, the window is gone. <laughs> anyway, um, so for your approach, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you do for feeding? Like, do you feed often? Do you feed once a week? Once a month? Oh well, I I can underfeed my animals actually. Um, I figure it this way: it's just. You know, these animals in the wild aren't eating every five days. And they're not eating right. giant meals every five days. You know, some of them go months at a time without even eating. So, you know, I usually, my adults, I'm usually feeding everywhere from 10 days to two weeks. Um, you know, the babies I usually feed, you know, maybe once a week to 10 days. Um, mm-hmm. So, if anything, I underfeed the animals. And um, especially my males, I, I try to keep my males more lean. Um I might have kept my meals, maybe like you were talking about earlier. That you know, maybe I kept my meals a little too lean this year. I'm not sure. 
but uh, you know, they, they seem to be more spunky that way, and they don't lie around, and they don't turn into blobs so much mm-hmm. if you, you know, keep them a little more on the smaller, thinner side. You know, I, I've gotten some mails from some people that I've, I've just had to put on really restricted diets for six or eight months just to get them down to normal-looking size, you know. The, right, thin them out somehow. Yes, I've seen some animals that are just so obese. It's just not good for the animals. You don't mm-hmm. see obese snakes in the wild. So why should you have them in captivity, especially since they're usually just sitting around the cages all day long, not moving, they're not exercising, you know. Right. It's good for an animal to have it big and fat, just like people, you know, just uh, sitting around. It's not healthy for the organs. puts an extra strain on their, you know, the cardiovascular system and the heart. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, I have better success without it. You know, I, I usually feed the females a little bit more towards breeding season before the breeding season comes. Because um, what I typically do, I, I really back off on the feeding around December, and then uh, I don't even feed my animals really for two or three months through the winter, typically. And uh, I just let them breed. Uh, that's typically okay. what I do. What about you guys? How are you doing it? Um, I, I I usually do for babies probably once a week, but I've been kind of been pulling off on that a little bit. Um, for my girls, I'll feed maybe twice a month. And then boys, when I feel like they're hungry and could use a rat, that's when they get one. Uh-huh. I had some really big males and females when I first started with carpet pythons. And, you know, there's really no need for 52 eggs out of a carpet python clutch. So, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you get, so I'm kind of trying to get them to slim down a little bit and be a little smaller. And the babies that I'm raising up are definitely not as big or monstrous as the first ones that I had here, so. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, kind of what I'm doing here. Do you guys hear an echo? Do you guys hear yeah. an echo? Uh, yeah. No, not on my end. I hear it. <laughs> so maybe I'm just mm-hmm. going crazy. No, I hear it, too. Really get older. You don't have the, uh, what do you call it, on, do you? Like the radio show playing? I do not know. No? What the hell is that? Hmm. Once again, Blog Talk has screwed us. Anyway. <laughs> but I know Eric definitely feeds on the lighter side of carpet python this. Yeah. Yeah. Let but, me try to mess with this a minute. Go ahead. You guys go, go ahead. ahead. You do what you're doing. I'll do what I'm doing. So, um, what now we, would you would you go for larger prey items, smaller prey items? Do you try to keep everybody on, you know, rats and you know mice? Yeah, I, I usually don't feed huge meals to my snakes. You know, I know some people just you know, especially the ball python guys, they just like pump their animals up so they get up the breeding size in eighteen months and you know, I don't do that, you know, you know. No. Technically, you know, on my younger snakes, I might lose a year of breeding because I'm not pumping them up so fast. But I, I think it's just much better for the snake in the long run. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to live a longer, healthier life. You know, I might lose that first year of breeding, but I'll make up for it later in the year or, or later in their life expectancy. You know, I, I don't think there's any reason why your snake should be dead at the age of six or seven because they grew too no. fast and they ate too much. And, yeah. 
you know. And, uh, I, I would agree. You can get another breeding season out of it when it's older than, you know, trying to kill it when you're getting it up to, you know, size and by two. So, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not worth it, you know. No, no, it really, it really isn't. And that's something, you know, I used to feed my animals twice a week when I was doing carpets in the beginning. So that was, I'm glad I got away from that, you know, for the animal sake as well as my wallet. My wallet sake, sake, you know, rats cost money. <laughs> um, for some reason, uh, the echo is coming on uh, your, your line, Jay. Really? I don't, you know, I'm on speaker, dude. I'm not on speaker. I'm talking actually through a headset on my phone here. Hmm. Hmm. That might be... Yeah, that's weird. Hmm. Is it... I don't know, I, maybe the headset would cause that? I don't know. I don't know. For some reason... Is it going on the whole time or just, just start? No, no just, just, re- just recently. Oh, really? uh, it was good when you were muted, Eric. Yeah, that's because yeah, I was muting Jay when... Uh, when <laughs> when you were talking, I can do that. You know, we'll ask the question and I'll meet you and then I'll unmute you. I can do that too. There you go. That'll solve the problem. We'll just go back and forth. I just sent you a picture. Okay. Of that. Uh, of the jungle? Yeah, with the spots on the side. I don't know if you can get that up here or not. People can see it, but go ahead, Owen. You keep going. I'll I'll get it up. up. Yeah. Um, Jay, uh, how do you keep your animals temp-wise? Temperature. What'd you say? Uh, How do you keep your animals temperature-wise? Like, uh, what are your what are your ranges? How do you go? What's your hot side? What's your cold side? I have. Typically, um, well, this is one area where I've been experimenting this year. I, I've, uh, I used mm-hmm. to keep my hot spots at 86 degrees, which I think was a little too hot for most of my snakes. Um, okay. And that was during the day, and I would drop the temperature to 82 at night. So what I've kind of done, I've kind of dropped that hot spot from 86 to 84 now. Okay. Um, and, you know, I might drop the nighttime temperature to 80. Um, okay. And uh, what I did this past season, I you know I, I listened to a very interesting lecture uh, that Terry Phillip gave at Tinley last year, and he was saying that he really doesn't do anything with his temperatures at all. He just has mm-hmm. one big room with one temperature, and he says he has great success with his animals, and he doesn't get any respiratory problems. So I kind of tried to do that this year, and I didn't fluctuate my temperatures much at all. I think the coldest I went this year was 78 degrees. Which mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, maybe I should have gone a little lower because uh, I'm not really sure that it was successful as far as productive breeding uh, this year. Um, I was lucky that everything I put together bred, everything was locked up multiple, multiple times. You know, every time I looked at my snake room, I have like six or eight or ten pairs of snakes locked up breeding. Right. But uh, I'm not sure that it was productive breeding. They were just having fun, I guess. But. Um, <laughs> We'll see. I don't know. I, I'm like I said. I, I try to experiment every year because you know, a lot of people get 
you know, I'm sure have experience with the cooling and then you get sick and get some respiratory issues. And mm-hmm. I have to say, I didn't get a single respiratory issue. I haven't had any for quite a while at this point, which is a good thing. <laughs> but that is a good thing. I don't know how many total eggs I'm going to get this year because of it. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that has something to do with it. I also, uh, I also have a, each cage is individually heated. I have the you know, radiant heat panels in a lot of my bigger cages. And okay. I have multiple thermostats in the rooms. Uh, you know, depending on the levels of cages, each level of cage, I have a separate thermostat because, you know, the temperature at the floor is much different than the temperature at the top of the, the stack. You know, right. It's extra feet high. So you know, each level of cages, I run it, you know, on the thermostat itself. So I probably have 15 different thermostats in the snake room. <laughs> but I tried to run the background temperature. I have a big uh, Mitsubishi forced hot air heater thing that comes out and blows out into mm-hmm. the room. And that, it really dries out the room, though. So I, I might have had the room a little too dry this, this winter, too. So, yeah, I don't know if anybody else has experience with this kind of thing or not. But um, you know, traditionally, over the years, I've always had my snakes incubate their own eggs. Mm-hmm. And with this kind of heating system in my room, it, it makes it a little more difficult because it, it really dries out the cages, and I have to constantly keep moisture in the cages. And, and uh, I know last year a lot of the snakes were they were they were incubating eggs, and they'd try to get out into the water bowls, and they'd soak in the water bowls, and then they'd get back on the eggs. I think as uh, right. as a result of the, the, the air temperature being too dry and too dry, yeah. <clears throat> and I lost some really good clutches last year because you know, the snakes would get on top of their eggs wet. And it damaged a lot of the eggs last year, um, so that wasn't a good thing. You know, so, yeah, I changed the, the the water situation this year. I want to make sure there's some big water bowls for them to soak in, and then uh, I'm going to spray the cages a little bit differently. Um, like, like I said, every year's a different thing for me. So, someday yeah. uh, I'm going to have it all dialed in. Everybody has a way, and you know, I can talk to ten different people, and they choose ten different you know methods of cycling their animals and you know everybody has success in one way shape or form you know uh, right, what, what, what do you do what do you guys do for your rooms uh for my room i heat the room temp to uh 82 83 and then their cage hot spots are about 84 85 and then the i do have a little bit of a night drop where it does go down to probably about 82 for their hot spots but um and then I usually stop feeding around October um, and then start kind of pushing them down a little bit. And I only dip down to probably about 76. And then we start heating back up in, uh, I want to say January, I start pumping it back up a little bit. But mm-hmm. you'll see you'll see locks throughout. You'll see some animals breeding in, you know, December, and you'll see some not trying to breed with each other until April. So, oh, yeah, right. how it rolls. Um, and then there are certain animals that can drop down lower. Like I take the brettles out of the room, uh, drop them down even lower during nighttime, but I still bump them back up into the 80s during the day. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and then everybody comes back together in the same room, and when eggs start firing off on all cylinders. But uh, I normally do not let my moms incubate. I usually take them and put them in the incubator. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I tried last year to do some maternal, and I kept—I guess I picked the wrong moms. 
because I got yeah. one trying to move the clutch like into a water bowl, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" So it's like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, that's not good." <laughs> yeah, and then I found the other mom had. Um, I took she abandoned the eggs, and I took them from her, and all but one of them uh, died on me. So like, just the eggs just went downhill quick. So I guess she knew oh, yeah. before I did that these were not good. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what we do, and I have a bunch of different stuff, you know, between the white lips, the Amazon tree boas, the Dominican and red mountain boas, all the carpet pythons, the scrubs are here. Um, mm-hmm. Everything's kind of, we're all kind of, I'm trying to find a happy medium, but I'm looking at like more and more animals are going to have to come out of the rooms for breeding season. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out eventually. I was, uh, I was also at that uh, show um, for Terry's talk, and mm-hmm. um, right. um, I uh, I tried his method, and um, I had a lot of issues with it because I think the problem is is doing it. Um, you have to do his thing a hundred percent. I think it makes sense, and I think it can be done, but I think you have to really have an ultrasound um yes, that's what he was using because they can with that being when if there's no temperature to drop hold on <clears throat> if there's no temperature to drop then um i don't think that they're going to go when we necessarily think they're going to go so they're not going to breed in november if the temperature drops, I mean, if the temperature doesn't drop, if that makes sense, I'm saying mm-hmm. that right. Um, I think it's more like what you see in ball pythons, where they breed them all year long. Um, you know, they're following that. Uh, I think VPI was probably the ones that originally started that. You know, uh, just straight 80, 83 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, way i know that they do that with their uh their blood pythons as well um yeah, so i think they? the only time they give uh heat is when the females grab it mm-hmm. um i don't know I, I just didn't have the success it could be that uh i just changed uh mid-season or mid, you know, like I had it one way and I changed it and totally screwed them up and didn't give them enough time to adjust. Uh, but it didn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I keep I keep my babies and chondros with no heat. I don't give them any heat. They just get the room heat. What's the temperature of your room usually? Uh, fluctuates between... 78 at night and maybe 82 during the day, 82. I, I don't really have a, too hot a hot spot. Mm-hmm. My thermostats are set at uh, probably like 84, 85 degrees. Mm-hmm. I bump it up a little bit during, you know, once I know females grab it, but that's pretty much it. I, I don't know. That seems to be how I've had success. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, it's definitely, it makes sense to me, um, and especially like you, Owen, if you're keeping multiple species, um, 
it may be uh, a way to keep all those species on the same program. Yeah, it's just tweaking, lots of tweaking. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I think I finally dialed it in to where I finally figured out my program. It took me four years, <laughs> but I finally got it to where the girls are used to it. So, yeah. Well, yeah, because picture, sure, you know, depending on where they come from, they have slightly different requirements. Like this, animals from southern Australia obviously need cooler temperatures, and you know, it's a it's a program mm -hmm. to thrive in, you know. And yeah. Closer to the equator, they're you know, like the battles pythons are higher up, and the more desert species, they, I guess, cold nights, but hotter during the day, and drier temperatures, not as much moisture. You know, all these factors. It's a lot yeah. of things to think about with all these different species and subspecies. And, like the diamonds are the biggest difference. You know, the diamonds are just such a different animal. And, uh, yeah, I'm actually going to get mine out of the room. So, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, keep I mine at the, the the bottom of the floor, like towards yeah. the floor to where it's cooler right, right now. That's where I keep mine, right on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I found I found that you know I I give mine uh, a basking spot of two hours in the morning. I set it at eighty degrees, right under a, a radiant heat panel, you know, up on a perch. So if, if if snakes want to bask, they can get up there for two hours in the morning, and then it just shuts off for the rest of the day. And I find a lot of them will just go the diamonds will just go right back to the floor, and uh, where it's cool. And uh, so they 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 seek out that coolness. It's, that's so far my experience with these animals. No. Hmm. Obviously, you know, you got people like Gary Val and Dave Sutton, you know, these guys really have a down to a science. These guys are really in the know about diamond pythons. And if you, you should probably try to have one of these guys on your on your program and talk about diamonds sometime. It would be pretty enlightening, yeah. I would say. It's a lot of people yeah. are interested in diamonds now. They are. We had uh, Greg, Greg Heim on a couple weeks ago. Um, yep. Talking about diamonds, uh, Gary Vale is kind of hard to get in touch with. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Guy kind of a – yeah, he would be great, absolutely. He, he's the but, guru, uh, I would think. Yeah, I never heard of Dave Sutton. He's kind of the – I'll have to check oh, him he's out. he's big time. He's kind of like a – every bit as big as Gary Vale, I think, in a – he definitely knows what he's doing. No, yeah. It's DMS, was it DMS Propagations or something? Like, DMS. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what he calls his business, but yeah. Dave Sutton, he's, he, he's the guy. Is he on the East Coast or on the West? The West Coast. He's out in the West Coast. Is it Oregon or something or something, somewhere out there? Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. Jay, what do you use for Cajun? Uh, multiple things. I have uh, all my adult females in Neodesha. You know, Neodesha is uh, obviously I went. Um, I have the uh, years ago they came out with these things called the 36 inch custom cages. Mm -hmm. uh, they're like, I have a, uh, what's that, 1, 2, 3, 4, 12. I have 24 of these cages set up on racks in the middle of my snake room. Uh, three high, no, four high and three across the bottom, I guess. And, um, I keep all my females in those cages so I can stick nest boxes in there. 
um, and they, they do very well in these cages. You know, I, over in the corner, I keep a radiant heat panel. Um, and as I said, each layer, each level of cages has a, its own thermostat. So of each bank of 12 cages, I have one, two, three, four thermostats set up, depending on where they are, you know, at the height of the room. And uh, my males, I keep in slightly smaller like, uh, cages uh, that are only you know, 12 inches high. Get them uh, from PM Herp. Uh, the, you know the plastic cage with sliding glass doors. So all my all my cages have sliding glass doors, and then some of my animals that are raising up. I have some various you know rack systems uh, mm-hmm. depending on the you know the size of the animals. You know variety of different brands, but uh, I love sliding glass doors. I, I think they're great because <laughs> uh, easy access to the snakes. And, mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, easy to feed. You know. You know easy to take the glass out if I want to clean the cage. I just really love sliding glass windows, you know, in the cages and a lot of visibility and see the animals. So and, uh, you know, they hold moisture well, these cages too. If I, like I said, if I want to maternally incubate eggs, I can plug up some of the vents and keep moisture in the cages pretty easily. Uh, that really works well for me. That's cool. the best way to do it. Yeah. What are you doing these days? Did you, I know you had neodeshes and you, did you ever get rid of those big neodeshes? <laughs> yeah, I got rid of those big neodeshes finally. Um, we yeah. had them for the scrubs, but the problem is that they didn't have any glass doors or even plastic right. glass doors. They were just opaque doors. So mm-hmm. you open the door and a lot of times there was, you know, an adult scrub or an adult white lip waiting for you on the other side and, you know, you peek in and he's to the left and when you open the door all of a sudden he's coming at you from the right and it's like okay so those were annoying (laughs) (laughs) those had to go but i have um uh, evolution reptile cages uh three by two by two and four by two by twos as well as um oh yeah big rack systems for my uh juvies and my uh smaller males Mm -hmm. and uh the baby tubs so Right, right. Yeah, I like the cages, um, but uh, the racks I still find very useful. Oh, yeah, for the younger snakes, it just can't be the racks. It just cannot be mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. <laughs> I'm the oddball of the group. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you have a bunch of aquariums? <laughs> no, I use racks. Even for your adults, huh? Yeah. I keep my carpets on the smaller side. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They're not, I don't really, I, I mean, they're quite content, I guess, from what I see. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think, I think they like the security of it. Sometimes I think yeah. the cages are more for the keeper than the kept, which is fine, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I guess probably it has to do with space too with me. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems that I have more success with, with it that way, but you know, to mm-hmm. each his own, I guess. I mean, if hey. I had a huge place, I, I probably would have tons of caging and, you know. Space is an issue. That's a big issue. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I never really saw my carpets perch. So. Yeah. I don't know. They perch when they're young, and that was about it. And then I don't know if you only have a couple snakes. 
you know, I think perching is great for these animals. I think it's good for them to climb up and down. It just keeps them healthy. But, you know, if you have limited space, I don't have perches mm-hmm. in any of my cages either. You know, they seem to do okay without perching. But for a display animal, you got to have perches. You know, that's, I think it's the way to go. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, diamond pythons will be outside of my room, my, my pair of diamond pythons, and mm-hmm. I'll put them in a cage because I think they just have to be kept different. Um, yeah. You know. They like to uh, perch. They definitely like to perch. Yeah. And I think the cooler, you know, ambient okay. temperature. Steal my here. idea. Why don't you, Eric? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's – I mean – it just goes to show that there's multitude of ways to keep these keep these guys, and uh, you know, I think that's the mm-hmm. uh, the cool thing about them. Now, I think if I had something that was bigger, like uh, you know, brettles, I would probably keep in the cage or some of those racks that are uh, the bigger size tubs, like the real big, uh, like the boa tubs that Vin Russo uses. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, I think oh, that's yeah. plenty of room. So, but cool. Yeah, a lot of people have had success with those. I mean, all the big breeders use these big tubs. So, get a lot of snakes in a small amount of space. Yeah, I think I, I I would say that the only disadvantage of that is you just don't get to see it. And I think one of the bonuses to Morelia is the fact that they do sit out in the open. You know. Mm-hmm. I think we undercut our market a lot by not promoting that. You know, somebody wants to get into a snake, um, maybe their first python. I think that, uh, you know, carpet python is uh, maybe not their first python, but, you know, when, when they want to move on to something that uh, you know, they feel comfortable with and like a display mm-hmm. animal, you know. Uh, yeah. Carpet pythons yeah. seem to be a little more hardier than chondros. Oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they yeah, people, display people are, just as well. Well, you know, do it shows to do people come up and ask you what what your opinion is and how they should keep those animals. I mean, I I always recommend if it's if they're only going to have this one or two pythons, I always recommend they have a big cage with a big perch and you know. The hot spot up on top and the nest box, you know, the hide box. I mean, that's what usually what I tell people. And I think the snakes are usually pretty happy like that. You know, people are happy to hear that kind of thing. I'm not going to yeah. bring them much if they kick them away, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that uh, that's probably, probably the best way to keep them, I guess. You know, if you have the room and the space i don't know now i feel guilty that i keep my snakes in drawers <laughs> you should stunning animals like all of them and like you walk into his room and you can see like a couple of them from the tubs and it's like if eric had the money uh, i would push for him if he had the space, to just make nothing but display cages because I could just watch all his cool shit moving around. Uh, so, yeah, he's got some beautiful snakes. Yeah. Uh, thanks. <laughs> but, <laughs> you're welcome. 
Yeah, one day. Save yeah. it for his friends or, or, or his Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still didn't get that picture. Um, Lost in limbo. Yeah. Really? Eric had that E.B. Morelia, right? Mm-hmm. That's him. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, kind you of... You get it, huh? It's sent out. I keep looking. Um... So we talked a little bit about your uh, your breeding and whatnot. Hold on, I'm going to mute why I asked the question so it doesn't echo. Echo. Um, we talked a little bit about breeding um, and uh, your approach. Um, anything anything special that you would recommend to a first time breeder um, that's just going to have their first season? Oh, wow, I just got it. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, wow. Well, you know, Googling those pictures, you know. <laughs> All right, Owen, you ask those questions. I'm going to post this up. God damn. All right. <laughs> Jay, can you go through uh, your approach to breeding? You know, I know we touched on it a little bit, but what do you do for uh, how long do you cool down when you introduce males and stuff like that? Um, once again, I, I experiment a little bit every year, but this year I, I started mm-hmm. cooling down probably about the second week of December. But I, uh, I didn't cool much. I you know, only dropped the temperature like one degree at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I started, you know, I, I started dropping the nighttime temperature you know, to 80 um, around December. You know, I stopped feeding, obviously, um, and mm-hmm. then into January, you know, I dropped another degree. I think I, I bottomed out at. 78, maybe a couple of cages, I went to 77. Um, but I, I, I eventually dropped the, the nighttime or daytime temperature down to about 82, I think I went. Um, okay. I used to drop it to 80, but I kept it at 82 this year. And I start bringing up the temperatures, I guess, probably mid-February. I start bringing them up. Um, I started putting my stakes together in mid-January this year. I'm up uh-huh. in New York. We we had a bitter cold winter, and I don't know how much that oh, affected yeah. my snakes. Um, yeah. Like I said, I had everything just breeding like crazy. Everything I put together would just breed and breed and breed. Um, so that I had no problem getting things to to, to mate. It's just a question of whether or not uh, you know all that stuff is going to be viable, which is uh, you know I'm waiting on that at this point. I have a few snakes sitting in nest boxes right now. Some are still going in the sheds. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those snakes, you know, they went through all the motions. They felt thick as a brick. They were big, and they went to the shed. They were basking, and you know, some of the snakes started eating again. Ah, crap. <laughs> yeah, that's not such a good sign typically. But you know, I'm still holding out because some of them still feel very thick and rock hard in the back. So you know, making them thinking, well, maybe they're just hungry. I fed them small little meals. Yeah, and they're in their nest boxes. Yeah. They're still in their nest boxes. So you know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, I've started to do the thing where I, when I bring them up, I'll offer them a small meal if they're not taking the breeding so quickly. And sometimes that's like flipping a switch. All of a sudden, now they they're just breeding like crazy. So who knows? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, always fun to see them breed. I love that. All <laughs> the snake porn. <laughs> There are 93 ways to skin a cat, so and it's all about the breeding. So, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody yeah, works. No, that, you, so. 
what I used to do with my jungles, uh, I used to combat the males, uh, and I found that would be very, was very successful in getting, you know, viable breedings. And, uh, I'd throw one male in with the other, and obviously I'd leave the one male in that I want to breed. I'd leave him in there with the female. I'd take the other one out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, watching snakes combat is, you know, first few times you do it is pretty stressful because the snakes really go at it. You know, they really... I don't know if you've ever combated snakes in your life. Uh, I, you know. I have accidentally. Um, oh. <laughs> it was one of those, like, I'll put you in with your two girls. Why are you two fighting? Oh, no. So, uh, yeah. Uh-oh. One of those things where it's like, you know, I meant to put in a male with two females, and my proven male ended up fighting with one of the females. So it's like, all right, well, something's wrong here, and I know it's not you. So um, I have seen combat, and, and it's funny because, you mentioned about combat being something that's important. Um, I cheat and I'll throw a male shed in a spray bottle of water and kind right. of spray that all over the rival male cage. But um, from what I've heard with other species, I have um, Australian olive pythons. You're right, and right. We're, we're getting close to, and they're going to be big enough and old enough to breed. And mm-hmm. I only have a pair, and I keep hearing that males will not show interest until they have another male around, like a rival male mm. so mm-hmm. it's like uh crap so i've been talking to a few friends who also have olives and we're gonna like swap sheds or you know mm-hmm. a younger male is gonna come over here for the day to kind of just piss off my boy but it's like mm-hmm. it, i could definitely see combat being something very important to these animals oh yeah it works what great for the carpets and uh you know like i said it's scary the first time you do it because you think you're saying mm-hmm. you're gonna kill each other but I've never had any accidents, at least in my experience over the years, and I've been doing it for a while. Snakes usually just wrestle with each other, and they kind of slam each other down in the bottom of the cage, but they right. never bit each other. And the, and the most nerve, nerve-wracking thing is when you have to reach in that cage right in the middle of a fight and pull them out. <laughs> and just break them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've had them fighting it, you know, on top of me, like all over my shoulders and my arms, and, you know, but they don't bite. They don't seem to bite. At least the carpet pythons don't. Oh, olive pythons? Yeah. I don't know what olive pythons do. <laughs> well, um, I had two um, black face white lips go at it and with intent to kill each other. And uh, I separated them, and then the fight continued on top of me. So, you know, it was one of those moments. <laughs> so I can totally understand that. But, you know, it, it, it definitely can be scary, especially because if you put all the time and money into these animals and now they're fighting... <laughs> I would be a little kind of taken aback. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, I've heard, I've, I've known people that have had males that seriously hurt each other. Yeah, not even not even during breeding season, just out of breeding season, you just put the males in with each other. I guess while cleaning cages or something, and you know, one would just shred the other one. You know, needing you know, ripping the snake open basically to the point where the snake needed stitches, that kind of thing. Oh, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. You do. You yeah. really do. So, now, okay, what advice would you give a first-time breeder uh, as being something important they have to do or watch for when it comes to breeding season for carpet? Well, you have to be patient because if you're not patient, you're, you're going to be frustrated because you know breeding carpets is easy, but it's not that easy, and there's a lot of things you have to think about and. 
you know, a lot of people get these snakes, you know, these first time snake guys that come to the shows, yeah, I want to breed these things, I want to breed these things and you know, they want to breed them and they're thinking about breeding them before they even know how to maintain them in, in captivity. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that's probably the worst thing that you want to hear from somebody wanting to buy some of your snakes because you know these people really don't know what you're talking about and start to worry about the snake. You know, is it going to be a good home? Why is this guy buying the snake? Is he just buying it to make money? You know, I've, I've actually talked to people out of buying some of my animals because you know I just didn't think that these snakes were going to get well cared for. You know, but uh, you know, and, and obviously if I'm breeding these snakes, I care about where they go. Some big, right. you know, a lot, of, a lot of people don't do that, but. It's nice to know that at least these people have some semblance of uh, an idea of what, what what it takes to maintain these snakes. And you know, and, and I have always have people asking me, you know, for recommendations when it comes to breeding season. I'm, you know, like I said, you got to be patient, you got to be careful, not cool them too much. Everybody thinks you're just going to drop the temperatures to 50 degrees, and you know, that's going to kill your snake. You're going to have a horrible pneumonia in the snake. You know, you got to be careful with that. And uh, you know, don't get frustrated if it doesn't happen the first year, because a lot of times, you know, even with the best breeders, you know, you're going to get you know, snakes that breed all year, and and still not going to produce anything. So you, you can't lose faith if it's something you really want to do. You just wrap it up to experience, and you know, wait until the following year and just change your techniques a little bit, and talk to other breeders. You know, learning from those people that have already walked it walk that line, you know, you can follow them and walk in their footsteps and learn a lot. And, uh, the more breeders you talk to, the, the more you're going to, you know, you're going to get, you know, the right answers for your situation because not everybody's situation is correct either. True. Some people live in warm climates, some people live in cold climates, so you have to think about that. Some people live in very dry, arid regions, some people live in super moist regions, and, you know, all that factors you know, and species you're keeping and how you're going to have to maintain them in your house, you know, it's ever changing. Yeah. Well, I I would say that to take another breeder's formula and use it as kind of like a guideline, but still you got to make it your own because right. you know Eric and I at one point lived five minutes down the road from each other and had drastic different breeding approaches, mm-hmm. and both had success. So. Oh yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the difference. Um, so, Jay, what do you think about the carpet market? Do you think it's kind of, do you see it progressing? Do you see it kind of taking an uptick in the interest of carpet pythons, especially with the lawsuits and bans coming down on certain other species? Yeah, well, you know, it's just, uh, I think a lot of people really, you know, with the boas and the bow morphs, it came out a few years ago, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. a big onslaught of ball python morphs really got a lot of people interested in snakes that normally wouldn't be interested in snakes. I think a lot of people got into that because they thought they could make an easy buck. Right. And, uh, right. As you are probably aware of. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people got into it that probably shouldn't have been into it. You know, as we see it, they were probably in for the wrong reasons. Um I don't see that happening with the carpet python market as much. I think the people that are into carpet pythons are into carpet pythons because they really like carpet pythons, not because you're trying to make a quick buck. You know, so right. I think there's a difference there. Um, and now, you know, with all these new things coming out with carpet pythons and, and it's more you know, the ability to breed different new up-and-coming morphs 
and uh, you know across things. You know, I think it's exciting a lot of people. Um, I think the big right. difference between you know that like the ball python market and the carpet python market is at least when people are breeding the python regis, or the, the royal pythons. When they're breeding ball pythons, they're only breeding ball pythons together. They're not intermingling different subspecies, which I think is the biggest difference between carpet pythons and ball pythons. You know, we've got so many people crossbreeding so many different things with the carpets. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, there's all, all sorts of crazy stuff coming out, but it, in a way it's kind of polluting the market because you've got a lot of, a lot of mutts now, mutt carpet True. pythons. You've got this thing that's got part diamond, part guttles, part jungle, and part irene dino, all in the same snake. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, depending on how you look at it, is either good or bad, you know. And so I think people view the carpet python market a little differently on that aspect as compared to the ball python market as well. And, you know, it's, the ball python market, you know you're just getting a ball python. All sorts of different right. colors for all ball pythons. With the carpets, you, you go to these shows, you really don't know what you're getting. You go to somebody's table, especially some of these big vendors, they have carpet pythons, but you know, what is it? Is it a coastal? Is it a jungle coastal? Iron giant right. mixed with a diamond? You just don't know a lot of times. You right. Know, big and, I mean, I always found also with the other animals, you would get an albino boa, and it might be, I mean, or, or a small python. You know, you get these morphs, and they all look the same. And they all kind of, I know that the only one that really had any kind of percentage of this one's better than that one would be uh, the pied because then you want more white versus more pattern. With carpet pythons, you can kind of tell which is a better caramel just by looking at it. And there's this swing of, you know, higher-end animals and lower-end animals and a caramel for this price and a caramel for that price. And, you know, it, 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 you get the variation between everything. So... It kind of kind of holds onto the morph a little bit longer, in my opinion. So it's uh, you kind of you kind of can't just go to anybody to get your stuff. You have to go to the right places. I think he just dropped off. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Hi. I oh, don't yeah. think I don't think he can call back in because we're well, in. We will try. Yeah. Maybe he'll try. I'm going to message him as we uh, uh, sit here. Um, yeah, I think that uh, my, my I would just comment on the uh, I think the morphs and the morph crosses are uh, something that people get. It, it gets people that are non-carpet people into yeah. carpet pythons. I think it draws I'll people's agree. attention. The bright stuff. The um, but I think once people get in, they might start to gravitate towards maybe working with a specific subspecies or looking for some pure You find your niche. Or, I mean, when yeah. everybody starts, we always had everybody, – everybody started. You always had that much. I mean, I had a uh, 50-50 jungle coastal was one of my first carpet pythons, and she was awesome, weird-looking. Right now, I couldn't tell you what the hell was in her. But – and then as you start moving towards your projects, what you really want, you maybe start letting those go by the wayside and you stick to the more pure stuff of what you want. Everybody finds their niche. So. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 
No, he didn't. He can't. I don't think he's going to be able to call back in. I'm trying to message him now. Well, I told him you suck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's probably why it was echoing like it was. Hold on. He's he's calling me. Go ahead, Owen. Take it for a second. Good. Good, good, good. Um, So it's just like one of those things where after you get your, your, association people are ij people people are diamond people people are coastal people you kind of let certain ones go by the wayside it's uh almost every single one of us has that one in the collection still that is that you know first carpet python that weird one that you'll never give up but doesn't really fit in any of your breeding projects or it might and you'll breed it once and you'll be like okay i was done never again um i know uh howard has his blockhead which is his diamond jungle something or other I know Eric had one for the longest time. Uh, like I said, I had a jungle coastal female that I ended up getting rid of after I bred her one year. Um, and it's just the way it goes. You pick your focus and you move forward. And, of course, there are other people who don't mind the mixing and the mudding and other things like that. But, you know, it's almost like you come in and then you find where you really like. And that's what I like about diamond, what I like about car python so much. And Morelia, just in general, you come in and you find what fits you best and what you like the best. You like red, you either go red coastal or you go brettle. You like the bluish, you can do exanics, you can do inlands, you like black and yellow, you can do jungles. You like black and yellow, but you don't really want to do too much work. You can do diamonds, um, the, the albinos, and all the new projects coming down the pipe. And what I love is that there's ever, there's always something on the horizon. And especially with now the albino coastals that have been put out, it's something else now. And I know that we talk about, you know, uh, snows and goats and other things that will involve, uh, uh, I'm sorry, snows and sun glows that will involve albino that has to come from the Darwin. And this was back when Darwin's first came in with albinos and they were being mixed between IJ and Darwin. And people were always interested to see the, how the, IJ cross albinos would look compared to the Darwin albinos. And they see, I can see some contrast, some difference. And it would be very cool to see a pure coastal albino jaguar. And then all those other morphs too. And just see how they would stack up against the crossed uh, albinos. So I'll definitely be first one on the list for uh, some albino coastals when they show up. Uh, in 10 years from now, when I'm, who knows if I'm even in carpet python still or even alive. But um, it'll be something I'll try to get to if I can. So that would be awesome. But it, like what it, that's what uh, Eric's T-shirt's going to say for the longest time from now on is the, the you do you boo-boo. Um, I'm going to get him that. It's gonna He's going to wear it and everything. Uh, I'll make him wear that to everything for you guys, so that'll be fun. Um, this is the part of the show where now he isn't here and I can say whatever I want so it's awesome because from right now he has five seconds before he buys everybody drinks at Carpet Fest yep done sorry but speaking of Carpet Fest if you have not gotten your t-shirts yet you should do it immediately we're running out of time and the booster closes on the 9th so don't delay it doesn't matter if you're going to come to the East Coast Carpet Fest you don't have to if you just want a really cool shirt, or if you're going to go to the Northwest or Southwest, Southwest Carpet Fest, you can pick up a shirt too. All proceeds are going to U.S. ARC to help with the 
and more specifically going to the lawsuit fund to help get the animals that were put on the Injurious Species Act uh, off it so that we can continue doing what we love to do. So definitely do that. Also, you can give donations as well. If you don't want to buy a T-shirt, just want to throw four bucks in, that's cool too. Um, Also, if you are coming to the East Coast Carpet Fest, or even if you're not, if you feel like contributing, the auction will be up soon. We're going to be looking for new things for people to come. We're going to auction them off at the East Coast Carpet Fest. Uh, We're probably going to do the same thing we did last year where we will throw all the items up for bidding on the pick of the week or Marley Python Radio Facebook page. And you can bid on those. And then uh, if you come to Carpet Fest, you can bid on the items again. So if you can't make the Carpet Fest and you still want to bid, you can go ahead and bid. And then uh, if you don't get beat at Carpet Fest, the item is yours. So that'll be there. That'll be awesome. Uh, asking everybody to please, you know, do that and give something so we can give to USR and we can continue on with that fun stuff that we're trying to get repealed. Um, if you are coming to Carpet Fest, uh, I'll be probably putting out the list, eh, let's say tomorrow, I'll do that tomorrow, that we're going to try to get start getting together who's coming, uh, more importantly, who's coming with us to Clyde Peeling's Rep the Land on Sunday as well as who's bringing what food to Carpet Fest. You know, we can't have everybody show up with all brownies, so we're going to try to get everybody to mix and match, um, contact me about something. Also, if you are willing to take a uh, stint of grilling on my grill, let us know with that, too. We're going to try to get it so that everybody has time to cook, as well as everybody has time to drink and party and do whatever it is you're going to do. So, uh it's going to be a fun time, um, and hopefully, if you are in the area, you can make it out to Carpet Fest, and uh, you know you'll come out for the ones further on. If you've been to all the Carpet Fest, uh, I would definitely recommend coming to this one because it's my first time hosting it, so you have to come. So that will be a fun, cool trip. Uh, and if you are in the Southwest or Midwest or any other place uh, and you want to start up your own Carpet Fest, you're welcome to ask me or Eric any questions of what you'd have to do to get you started. Um, we would invite it more and more about you guys getting stuff started. We kind of want there to be a Carpet Fest in every direction of the compass. This way, no matter where you are, you can go and you can hang out with your Morelia family. So it's an important thing to do, in my opinion. But also, what I'll do is, while we got the time, I don't really know what Eric's doing or if we can get Jay back on. Hopefully, we can. It was kind of kind of sucky that everything got cut off right before we got to the good stuff, as well as you didn't get to say you know goodbye and everything like that. And I know we've been trying to get Jay on for a while. So if anything, this will just lead to us having to have him come back a few times, which you know you know we do that often. Um, but I will do is why don't we just go into what's going on over here at Rogue. What I have going on here is nothing. Not a zilch. Nothing. Nothing. Um, we haven't gotten any eggs yet with carp pythons. I did move them in December, so I may have shot myself in the foot. Uh, we're waiting on potentially one, two, three 
four females of carpet python and uh, two two bread life females. Maybe I'm not saying anything. I'm not kind of been kind of quiet this whole breeding season. I didn't want to give you guys any kind of hope or uh, have anybody wait and wanting any animals that I might be producing. I'd much much rather tell you guys after I get the eggs and uh, then we can go from there. Um, We'll see how this goes. Uh, I know a few people wanted to see if I'd even have any kind of success at removing the animals mid breeding season. And trust me, if I could, I would not have done it. (laughs) So um, we shall see the, uh, uh, so we'll hopefully get something cooking and going on here but the next show i have is uh is the 25th in hamburg pennsylvania uh if you are in the area you want to come out it'd be cool to see you talk morelia um eric should would could be making an appearance every once in a while he decides that uh he needs to come off his little throne and you know rub elbows with the peasants the non-high-end people, so we get to go and uh, bring him on to Hamburg, and he sits around and he tries to sell my carpet pythons for me. Um, if anything, all he ends up doing is just talking with people. So I'll, I'll try to put him to work. Also, uh, April 25th will be the debut of the new Rogue logos and all the other fun stuff. So if you're wandering around Hamburg and you are in the spot near my table, but you don't see the normal gear. Um, just yell for Owen and I'll answer. So we're still there. We're still in the same spot. So don't be too concerned. It'll be okay. So that's what we got there. Um, As far as anything else, if you guys want to, you can go over to MariaPythonRadio.com. Check out all the things we got going on there. I know Eric is going to start taking, uh, suggestions for the carpet python hall of fame which is we're going to go through uh big name uh carpet pythons that have their own kind of lineage and own kind of stuff as well as various other things that happen uh with a morph so uh, animals like benjamin who was a high uh very sought after bloodline of jaguar so we're going to review him um, as well as certain other animals like CoverGirl and things like that. That it, This way people kind of have an idea of what it means when someone says, I have an MBB line jag. It's a Madam Blueberry line jag. So this way we're going to have something on the website that can show you a bio of Madam Blueberry so you know really what you're getting into with that. Because these are some of the questions that, you know, these, these animals have been unplugged for a very long time it's coming up to of not being bred or not being involved in breeding. So more very fewer and fewer people actually know what these, where these little hyphens and letters and stuff came from. So we're kind of going to, this way everybody can go back and reference it and basically just try to get education out there. This way you guys all know what's going on and what decisions you can make. And it's where you're not kind of lost in all the stupid little letters and, uh, nicknames and things people have for their bloodlines or their animals. So just another way we're helping you guys out. Uh, if you have any suggestions on guests or shows, please drop them at info at moreliapythonradio.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Eric, you can email him at eric at eb at moreliapythonradio.com. 
or Eric at edmerelli.com. I don't know. It's his stuff. It's not important. I don't care if you guys can reach him or not. That's, that's his problem. You know, and you, you guys can figure it out. <laughs> if you want to get, if you are interested in helping out with Profit Fest or anything else we got going on, as well as if you're interested in contributing to the tip of the week, which we're going to start getting up and running again, you can also email Eric at EB. Eric at evmorelli.com, or you can get in touch with me uh, through Rogue. Um, you can do that at Rogue uh, Reptiles, the Z, at gmail.com, or you can go on to rogue-reptiles.com and message me through my website, or you can just find me on Facebook, or you can throw a rock with a note through my window, and I'll get it there too. Um, I would like for that last one not to happen, but if you must, you must. Um, so we can definitely do that. If you think you want to be a guest on Morelia Python Radio, you can go ahead and do that. You can contact us at info at moreliapythonradio.com. We're always looking for somebody interesting to talk to and all that other fun stuff. I'm back. You're too late. I've sold half your collection, and you owe everyone <laughs> who's been earshot drinks. Yeah. We, me and Jay, we're having our own show. <laughs> you, you, son of, you leave me here, you son of a bitch. I'm sorry. No, I, I was talking to him. No, we're I'm talking, talking, and I'm like, I'm so, I said, I'm oh, talking. man, I forgot. Owen's know. still talking. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, um, for I'm going to throw out his info. Um, he's going he's gonna to have to come back art. for a round two. He said he's going to be yeah. a White Plains and uh, Jay said he's probably going to bring some of the crazy stuff. So I think I might have to make a trip. <laughs> I might have to make a trip. I think he said it was April, sometime in April. Um, uh, you keep talking, I'll find it. Give me a second. April 12th, maybe. But, uh, yeah, check him out uh, at, at, the, at that show. Um, his Facebook page is Best Boyd's. And uh, his website is bestboyds.com. And uh, his website is not uh, completely up to date. He said that uh, he was having some issues um, with the server or something like that. April 19th. April 19th, okay. April 19th. uh, And when is Hamburg? April 18th? Uh, 25th. 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 Okay. You got excited. 25th. Yeah. We, we, just, we went over this myself and the audience. We also threw out like everything. So, Oh, you did all the... Uh... Yeah, I told them that you're getting rid of all your pythons and have decided to breed guinea pigs. So... <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Yep. There's no more yeah. than guinea pigs, so, uh, you know... Oh, that's to, what yeah. you think. Pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the black-white hooded uh, guinea pig? Black-white, uh, you know, the yeah. crazy-haired, the no-haired. Oh, yeah, yeah. fun. Come on now. I love it. Yeah, I we were getting that crazy echo. As soon as we get that echo, man, I know that the show is... that The, the caller is going to go downhill quickly. Yeah. I, yeah. I can blog talk. So, that was really um, difficult to uh, to have to mute that. I, you and I didn't get in your mind over it. I mean, I could I could feel your pain all the way from over here <laughs> of how badly yeah, you I, hated this echo. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I hate it when you got a guest on and they bring you know, and it's like an exciting guest, and then it gets screwed up all, but you know, the audio gets screwed up. You know. Do you remember of, when it went haywire when Sean Heflick was on? And it was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
it's always so it's always when the ones that you know you finally get them to come on and you know because i honestly got if erwin was still alive the whole system would crash the day we had him on i mean i'm telling you that's how that would uh, go yeah yeah no kidding Mm -hmm. so um yeah so check out what jay has going on he has some cool projects and um if you're at a show sit down and talk to him he he'll just it just he's really cool to talk with and he loves showing pictures and talking animals and he also loves get he gets a vested interest in what you got going on so it's it's really cool so yeah i did notice that he kept asking us what we what we did and uh, you know i i often say like well they don't want to hear what we do. They don't hear what we do. <laughs> they want to hear what you do. <laughs> and, you know? like, it, it, and, and it's funny as hell because it's like um, he, it almost seems like he's not plugged in, but he is. Because, like, he knew what I was doing with different animals every time I spoke with him. He goes, well, I saw you did this, this, this. I'm like, where the hell do you see that? So it's like, it, it's he's a cool guy, and I've always liked him. So, But yeah. if you're not careful, you will spend hours in front of his table. So, yeah, yeah, it's funny. Uh, when when he called me earlier in the week and he's we were talking about the show, and um, I said, Yeah, it's about two hours, two and a half hours. He says, Wow, that's a really long time. I said, You think it's a long time, but trust me, it's not. It's and, not. Uh, when yeah. I was on the phone, he's like, Man, you were right, <laughs> that time flew by, you know. So um so yeah i guess uh we'll uh we'll wrap up and uh get the heck out um, yep all right so from morelia python radio you can download and subscribe to us on itunes did you already go over this stuff i did not continue okay. i'll let you know when okay. you don't too far okay um <laughs> Yeah, you can uh, download the show for free um, and subscribe mm -hmm. over on iTunes. Uh, it's probably uh, the best way to uh, to get the show. Um, if you're just getting into carpets, uh, I would say check out MoreliaPythonRadio.com mm -hmm. uh, for everything Morelia. It's, I call it the Morelia Hub. Um, you got species lists, morph lists, breeding breeder lists, uh, people that Pictures. have been on the show. Uh, mm -hmm. Tons of information there, and it will sort of point you out into the world of uh, Morelia. So um, definitely a place to uh, check out. Uh, if you have uh, questions, comments, uh, feedback on the show, um, you know, et cetera, you know what I'm looking for? I'm going to put this out there. Okay. A yep. vet. I want to get a vet on. We're looking for a doctor of veterinary medicine. Not yeah, a dude who is very good at getting drugs and will inject anything into the snake. An actual, yeah, no. you know, DVM. So um, if you know one who would be willing to, you know, burn an hour with us or two hours with us, uh, we'd love to have one on to talk about uh, what, what we're looking for, trying to what you can do with sicknesses and what drugs are good, what drugs are bad, uh, where you should take an animal if it does get ill. Um, proper quarantine procedures, fun stuff like that. So mites, uh, <laughs> mites. Ah, no, don't say that word. Anyway, um, 
if yeah. if you if you do know one, if you have one, if you're friends with one, if you are one, and you want to just come and talk to us, we know that you know vets eat pretty crazy hours and you know long days, and the last thing you'd really want to do is come talk to us, chuckleheads for two hours. But you know, if you could, that'd be awesome. Uh, it has been one of the requested shows that uh, apparently you guys want to hear is you know medical talk. So. Well, maybe something a little more advanced, you know, uh, yeah. a little more uh, for the advanced keeper and, and different things. Um, if, it, if it doesn't work, we can always take one of your snakes and fake that it's sick and then go into the vet office, you and I, and just have like a <laughs> hidden microphone and then just talk a lot. So, and then just talk. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. Talk, and then not let them leave the room until they answer all these questions that we have. So, yeah. yeah. There's... um. There's a couple other shows that I'm working on uh, that uh-huh. uh, I think will be pretty cool. I think it's time for another uh, Carpet Python roundtable and maybe maybe even throw a Chondra roundtable in there and yeah, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But um, so stay tuned for those uh, those episodes. If you have uh, uh, maybe something, uh, maybe you're an, a more advanced Carpet Python keeper. And there's a topic that you would like to hear about. Um, feel free to drop us a line at info at moreliopythonradio.com, um, and we appreciate. Um, you know, if you're going to send us uh, some info on a guest that you like, and you have a way to get in contact with them, just send that along with it, and uh, we'll do our best to try to uh, to get them on. Um, mm-hmm. You can get Morelia Python Radio points for. Uh, <laughs> Turning us on, turning us on to a potential guest. By the way, the points mean nothing, but you can have them. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, like um, like our Facebook page, Morelia Python Radio. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Morelia Python. Uh, the Carpet Fest. Uh, so far, we have three dates uh, for the year. We have five thirty, which is the Northeast uh, in uh, Birdsboro, PA. Uh, yep. In uh, September 12th, we have the Northwest, which is uh, in Seattle, I think. Um, and then, well, it's in the Seattle area. And then the uh, Southwest now is uh, on June 19th. And I'm not sh- uh, the more uh, info I get of the exact place, it's at Prehistoric Pets. Um you can check out carpetfest.homestead.com for more updates. Um, and you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CarpetFest <clears throat> for more info. Um, as far as myself, ebmorelia.com. I, did ha- I do have this cool thing now that uh, through my website, I have a store set up. Uh, and that store set up goes to my Facebook page as well. So whenever I post anything to the store on my website, it also posts to the store on my Facebook page. And you can buy oh snakes my right off. Oh, God. What? Uh, how high-end is that? <laughs> Watch out, baby. Uh, mm. And, uh, yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> this is a funny story. I, uh, yeah. I would... I would say that if you're looking to track your reptiles, uh, my recommendation would be reptile scan. So the other day, 
I forget what we were talking about. We were but, talking uh, about something, and you sent a picture of your egg box with your little herpes scan thingy on it. So. Yeah, and you were like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. Yeah, you're I like, you so look much. at the little reptile skin on the box. I'm like, shut up. And you're like, how high end is that? I'm like, you just shut up. It's like it's been over a year. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm really digging the program. It's really cool. Um, well, but, you like uh, it because you can scan it in from the egg. You set you set up the clutch data when you, the eggs are eggs. And you put that down. And then when the babies hatch, you can link them to the clutch which is also linked to the parents. So you've already got the family tree thing going. And you told me apparently you can just print out labels for when you take them to shows or for shipping, and you can print out fee cards and all that crap. It does pretty much everything for you. And I will be yeah. getting it at some point. So Yeah. I did use it before on my Android, and I didn't yeah. like it. Now I use it on my iPhone, and, oh, man, it's just great. It's easier. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's a done deal, so. though. Yeah. Crap. So, more um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, yeah, what I have now is, like I said, so um, once I have uh, animals available, which is going to be real soon because I think um, about a year, the 2014s are almost a year old. And uh, we'll see which are the holdbacks and which ones are going up on for sale. So uh, be looking for that. Uh, so you can either find it on the Facebook page or over on my website, evmorelli.com. You can click on the tab that says store. And on the website, it's the tab that says available. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and um, also subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, do a newsletter and uh, send out little blurbs and whatnot. And usually when I put things available, if you subscribe to the newsletter, I usually put that um, uh, whatever's available first to those people that are subscribed. So you kind of get uh, first picks of what's available if you're subscribed to the, uh, to the newsletter. Um, and then as far as myself, if you have any questions or comments or anything about an animal, you can contact me at eric at ebmorelia.com. Uh, I've got some cool stuff for the season. Uh, I just had a citrus tiger lay from a super caramel jag, zebra, super caramel zebra jag, which should be uh, pretty wild. Got some um, sun glows and... Uh, albino stuff in the incubator so hopefully we'll have some of that got a clutch of zebra albinos uh, about to lay and some tiger it's gonna have some cool tiger stuff this year so if you're interested in any of that check out the site you can go to the uh, 2015 breeding page and you can see what uh, pairings I got um, and uh, Tell me if you're interested in anything. Get you on the on the waiting list, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, that's all I got, Owen. Well, I kind of already went through all everything I got. I have no babies at this point, and I'm not saying what I'm breeding because I'm not even sure they're going to have any. So, <laughs> <laughs> all righty then. There we go. <laughs> um, I did say the Hamburg is the 25th. We hope to see everybody out there. I also said that I might be dragging your but with me, um, I said that every once in a while you do come off your high-end horse and, you know, rub elbows with the peasants. So, um, 
Man, you know? people are gonna think I'm such a tool. I'm really I not know, that much. I know. I love tool. it. I love it. <laughs> Any idea? Dude, they asked about you at Stanley, and I go, he's too high end for this. And they go, oh. I'm like, that's it. That's all I had to say. That's all I had to say was perfect. I'm really you not that it. high end, people. <laughs> too late. It's over. This, you took that this all stems. This all stems from me you wanting so to look. so proud of it, and now I'm crushing you. So, yeah. How do you want your uh, logo to look? I want it to look high end. <laughs> oh, think, you're so high I think, end. <laughs> I think look, it was the problem is that you did that in a message group between me, Zach, you and Matt, which is the message group that's always constantly going on. And you're like, Zach asked you, uh, what do you want your logo to look? And you said high end. And I said, What the hell does high end mean? And it's like so that was and that was just, now I'm using yeah. it use it till I die. So Yeah. Um, it's all right. Cool. I just have to anyway. throw it out there every once in a while that I'm really not that I'm really not a dick. <laughs> too late, too late. I'm already, I'm already painting that picture. It's like you know they they ask me where the Hobbit is and all other sort of stuff. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so love um, it. Anyway, <laughs> that's what's going on over here. But if you are interested, we have very few uh, 2015 babies left. Uh, virtually no normals. I'm down to two. Uh, thing I'm done the one caramel jag. So if you want these things, don't wait. Uh, tigers, red light, uh, some jags, and some other un- non-related tigers. We have two clutches of tigers here, uh, as well as we have the Dominican red mountain bows. We're down to our last boy. Uh, we got one boy and four, five females. So we're almost out, and that's it. Those are the only Dominicans I have left. And these things are all eating frozen thawed, scented rodents. Uh, with gusto, and they're growing pretty big. They're on hoppers now. So they're moving up in the world pretty pretty nice. Starting to develop some really nice colors. So if you're interested, don't wait. Let me know. Uh, we may have litters from them this year. I'm not sure. So like I said, we no freaking idea what's going on over here. So um, definitely come check us out, We'll talk and uh, we'll, we'll figure something out with that. Anyways, what we will say is thank you all for co- stopping by and listening. Uh, and we will catch you all next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night.